What'd you say about a fat dick, Evan? Nothing. <laughs> well, uh, I guess it's time to welcome everybody back to Probably Dad's Podcast. It's going to be episode 4.2. So again, we've tried to record other episodes. We've had a little technical difficulties. Um, Evan, what's on the agenda this week? Current events. Current events. Dad, dad things. Yes. Pregnancy. Pregnancy, yes. Yep. You're not pregnant, right? No. It's 2019, so gender fluid, not your pregnancy? Yeah. So you're God. telling me you're making your wife carry that? Yeah. It's very uh, old-fashioned of you, but... you dang right. Carry on. Well, thanks everybody for listening, and we'll be back in a minute. Do you remind me of my father? I hate my father. You tell me. Who is your daddy? I am the father. And thankfully, some dads took action. Basically, what do they want for Father's Day? Uh, for the media to stop portraying dads as buffoons. Five, four, three, two, one. All right, and we're back. So before we got started, uh, Evan was telling me about the studio here. He's going to turn this into his gunsmithing situation you want to tell me a little more about that evan well no <laughs> i wouldn't say gunsmithing it'd be a reloading uh it's kind of a work area reloading I, I so yeah i wouldn't do any work to an actual firearm but it would be work to save money on ammunition that i use for firearms or for hunting. Right on. Right on. So reloading area. So why would you have a reloading area? I don't have my headphones yeah. on. We're out of practice. How's the mic sound? We good? Yeah, we're good. We're coming we're, we're good. low on the next one? No, we're fine. No, I, it's, I mean, 3 or $4 a bullet for some of these. Well, 3 or $4 range. a bullet. What kind of weapons are we talking about? Uh, 300 caliber. Like a WinMag 300? Yeah. For sure. I only know that because of a friend who's actually a sniper. I've never shot one, but he tells me that's his go-to. Just bullets that can travel, you know, upwards of a mile. You I shoot stuff exactly at a mile? mile. No. <laughs> but, you know, a couple hundred yards, for sure. Let me ask you, what is, is it for your benefit to, like, why would you want to shoot something very far away? Is it just for bragging rights, or is there like certain animals you got to shoot that far? Certain animals you got to shoot that far. Is that just because they're they're super well, they're super in tune with like smell and hearing and all that shit? Like I'm not honestly not familiar with it. It's actually a timing thing. So for me, I don't have time to go out and hunt an animal for a month or two. So I have to be able to get close enough to that <clears> animal, and the closest shot you might have would be. And it all depends on the terrain, right? If you get Within a couple hundred yards of an animal, you're extremely lucky. But if you're, let's say, four or five hundred yards or, say, a thousand yards from an animal, and that's the only shot you're going to get for that week you're there, yeah. you got to take it. you got to be able to make it. Okay. Take it. Make it when you take it. Make it. Make, make it, it. Make, make it, it. Take it. it. Kind of like uh So it's nothing. It's not yeah. the fact that you're cheating or, or it kind of is, but. It's just giving you accessibility on certain shots that you wouldn't normally have. Right. Okay. Yeah. And so, because those bullets can be very expensive, mm -hmm. you want to go full. And it's not the hunting part of it that's expensive. It's the practice. 
So when you yeah. start practicing for that long range shot and, you know, everything from breathing to just the technique and the, the weapon itself, but when you start practicing for it, that's when it gets expensive. Yeah. If you're taking multiple shots trying to get that pattern. I got you. And you spend a lot of money. Money I don't have. So <laughs> packing your own bullets. Reloading, yeah. Reloading your own bullets. So you bullets. shoot them, bring your shells back. Where do you get the heads from? Buy them offline, man. Really? Yeah, you can buy the primers, so it's cheaper, the it's powder, cheaper to everything. buy those things separate, do it yourself, than it is to buy the bullet. Yeah. For, if you're shooting a lot of them, yeah. I said two or three dollars a bullet. A case of bullets is like sixty oh. something, eighty something dollars. Fuck that. Probably more than yeah, yeah, more than that. A couple hundred bucks for a case of bullets. For a, you just got to go out there with a knife like a man. I if that again, <laughs> if you had, if you the had time the to stalk the animal, put you, the put the shit it's on. It's not you. even stalking the animals. But it is stalking the animals, but it's going out there, knowing where the animals are or where they aren't. But you're covering so much ground when you go out to these places out west to be able to hunt in a is that what you're timely manner. So we yes. went hiking a day, and you were like, we could train up here for the mountains. Yeah, absolutely. That's what that's about. Mm-hmm. You know, that's what Cam, you know, I listen to Cam Haynes, those podcasts and stuff. That's what he talks about when he runs these ultra marathons, these 100-mile races and stuff like that. He's like, I'm only doing this to hunt better. <laughs> that's what he says. He says, I'm literally only doing this to hunt better. Because all he does is like... Heavy backcountry hunting, bow hunting. So he's not even using a damn rifle. So he's up there for days hiking yeah. through the mountains and the terrains. And he's like, I do this to stay in shape for hunting. That's, I mean, when you're running a marathon every morning just to like warm up, it's intense. <laughs> that's, that's heavy well, duty. That, but out you think, there, you think you might want to do something so, like that? Yeah. I wouldn't do the marathons, but yeah, I'd, I'd take the uh, South Alabama way. Yeah. Getting her done. Getting her done. No. So, a lot of times you see these guys doing high altitude trainings because they're out in the high, like, hilly terrains or mountainous yeah. terrains. The flat, more accessible areas are all taken by the locals. So, like, Montana, for instance, or Colorado, or even Nevada, some of the, the places that have those, a lot of those mountainous terrains. Yeah. All the good spots are given to the... the the native residents of those states have first access to the better spots. So that's all it's taken up. What, so about, that's pu- you, what about public land? Public land is about like it is here. It's very, uh, I mean, there's a lot of it, big ranges, but it's all, I mean, there's nothing developed. There's no road, not a lot of roads, not a lot of access. So it's it's, so it's more of a man thing. Yes. Like, something, something, and that's what I'd be hunting. Some Chris Chavez yeah. will get out on. Well, I mean, I'm hunting public land. You go out there and hunt, 90% of it's public land or leases that are tied in with public land. But How do you lease public land? I thought it was public land. No, no. Leases that are tied in with public land. So what a lot of these outfits so private do, private land that backs up to public land? Yes. I got you. So you have, I mean... You have that access. Oh, I see what you're you know. saying. So they can have like their camp set up and like, you know, refilling stations and a cabin and all that kind of stuff on the private access yeah. that backs up and to again, the public land. I I've never you. been. So well, we should go. We should go. So should if anybody it. wants to hook that up, I, man, we're here. I, you know, I've looked at hunting. This is the struggle I have. I see all these people in South Alabama and Mississippi and uh, even Louisiana, Georgia, 
the Northern Panhandle of Florida, man, paying five, six, seven, eight thousand dollars a year to be in these trophy managed clubs where all they have to do is drive out to a little shooting house, park their four wheeler or their golf cart right next to the damn place where they're going to kill a deer. Yeah. And it, they're already fed up. They've got cameras out everywhere, you know, and they're 300 plus pounds just climbing up a shooting house, blasting a deer a couple, couple hundred yards away. And then they're posting all the social media. Hey, well, man, I got it done well, I this weekend. I, th- I think that's the difference. You what know? you get done? <laughs> I could probably equate that to like due to juice steroids and guys who go into the gym to like to get it. Yeah. For like the mental and physical aspect of it. It's there's the trophy aspect. Like I just want to look pretty. You know, p- take a bunch of gym selfies in the mirror, just hanging out in the bathroom by myself because I'm a exactly. loser. Versus somebody who just fucking goes in there, kills themselves for an hour. And then just lives their life. Like the gym is not, it's not for show. It's for go, you know? Yeah. It's just a tool. Yeah. No, but there's different. Yes. Yeah, so the other person's using it for a tool as well, but it's, I mean, yeah, but it's, it's completely aesthetic is my point. Like it's, it's for aesthetic purposes. It's not for functionality. When's the last time you posted a selfie working out? I don't own one. So. Okay, good. And that's, that's not to say. Yeah, no, I don't own one. Like I don't have any of those bathroom, sweet bathroom selfies. That you send out? Yeah, I'm, no. I'm not an owner of those, no. Like, most of my pictures on, like, my Instagram and stuff, I have no. I'm not even in. What's the monthly payment on those? What? Those selfies in the bathroom. I don't know. Apparently, yeah, I, if it's on, you dude, I tell you what, man. Those same dudes. Is it like, they're, a, they're, they're they're like a car note? You got yeah, <laughs> but their yeah, payment? But, dude, they're, th- those same bathroom selfie guys are with bathroom selfie girls, and I love it because they'll be bathroom selfie-ing together. No mm. shit. I'm like, mm. maybe go live your life. That's an option. Or yeah. Like, live a life worth taking pictures of. Like, if you're living a good life, like, you don't have to take selfies. People will be taking pictures of what, you doing What do awesome these people shit. do before social media? Fucking cry. For every breakup a bodybuilder's made. You ever heard that saying? <laughs> yeah. 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 It's like, fuck her. I'm going to get on steroids. I'm going to be so jacked. No girls will want to say no to me. Like, if that was true, then every girl would only date bodybuilders. But we all know that's bullshit. Yeah. It's about self-confidence and not being a fucking weirdo. And so when like I see guys in the gym that are fucking patting each other's ass, like, yeah, bro, flex, your, flex those glutes. And they're like practicing posing. I'm like, what the fuck are you doing? Like the only people that like that shit are other dudes. <laughs> like the only guys that are into it are like, bro, look at those striations in your ass. Oh, man. Some girl's going to love that. Now squeeze it together. Squeeze it together one more time for me. It's <laughs> like, fuck, dude. Come on, man. Let that shit go. I mean, and, I'm, and you know what? I, I'm friends with some of those guys, and they're not necessarily bad guys. I'm, I'm giving them shit because they give Just me shit. Misguided. That's not misguided, man. If that's what you're fucking into, everybody's in, everybody deserves to be affirmed, dude. If that's what you're into, I think they misunderstand. I'm, not, I'm in some weird stuff, too. I, I, do, I, just, I, think, they, I think they misunderstand. Yeah. I think they don't fully understand what they're doing because they, like, in their head, they think, like, mm. big, strong animal, girls like. And you're mm. like, James Bond gets the girl, not the ogre whose ass he kicks. Yeah. Like, <laughs> never. Never has that ever been the case. Who is it? Metal Mouth or the guy with like... Yeah, yeah, Jaws. Jaws, yeah. Like, big giant ogre or does sleek James Bond get the yeah. girl? Sleek James Bond gets the girl every time, man. I'm not saying... like. Not what every, about... Obviously, not everybody's Dolph James Bond. Lundgren. And I th- I think there's who's a, the I chick? Think, I think there's a point where it's too much. Like if you're too good looking and like you're too perfect and your hair is fucking perfect, yeah. that chicks are just like, Ugh. they're just kind of turned off. I've, I've talked to girls where like if a dude is like 
got more product than them. They're just not into it. No, no, no. Who was the chick that played in, in Rocky Five or whatever with the Russian? Oh, Brigitte and, Nielsen. Yeah, Brigitte you remember, Nielsen. So, Brigitte. Here, here's the end game of And the, that she married. Flavor Flav. Flavor Flav. So is James Bond equivalent to Flavor Flav? Or no? No, man. Okay. She was right. just looking for a big black piece to get some. Oh. Dude, little skinny dudes like that, they're always carrying a hammer. Almost guaranteed. I was listening to... Uh, what? You serious? I was listening to uh, <laughs> your mom's house podcast. That confirmed it, man. I was like, it was uh, who was it? It was Heath Evans, the ex NFL dude. He actually went to school, I guess, with Tom Segura, played against him or something. And like they they call themselves the Dick Detectives. It's like a special on their show about who's got the biggest hammer. <laughs> and like his wife was like, "All right, Heath, like you've been in a lot of locker rooms. Like who's got the biggest piece?" He's like, "I'm gonna tell you right now. It's not those big monsters you're thinking about." Some little wide receivers and cornerback guys that you know look out for. Yeah, carrying those knee knockers. You're like Jesus. Never mind, dude. Basic training. <laughs> I get in there, man. It's like you know, to me, I, I'm not. It's nothing I'm not used to seeing, right? But it's open showers, all this stuff. You could tell the guys who played organized sports and the guys who didn't. Like some right. dudes are like huddled yeah. up. Yeah, yeah. They're like they jump out of the shower, grab a towel, wrap up. You know, and here I come walking down the aisle. I don't care what I got. I'm just not like doesn't matter, right? Because yeah, you're not staring, you're not measuring it up. It's right. just a shower. Yeah, yeah. And other guys are just all squeamish. But there, here comes a good friend of mine. Actually, throughout basic, uh, we'll just say we'll call him Double D. <laughs> and he comes walking down, dude. And it's like I, you could see it, and the whole aisle goes, "Oh my <laughs> god!" And they're like scooting back from the edge of the aisle so it doesn't hit them. And I'm like. <laughs> <laughs> just swinging, just swinging. Yeah, move. So we had a we had a drill, oh a female drill instructor, and she couldn't like. So you had a, a a drill sergeant who stayed in your barracks with you, right? Really? And they would spend the night in the barracks with you sometimes, most of the time. So then you had the female drill instructors who would come in there, like on day of inspection, or you know they fill in for whatever. And I never will forget this lady. She was actually a really nice looking older lady. Uh, she was a tech sergeant, drill instructor. And we had open bays, and there, it was like a horseshoe. You walked in the front, you could go down each aisle, and it connected in the back. Well, they always started down the aisle in the front, and then they would come down the, like, so there's two bo- two rows of beds on each bay. So they would go yeah. up one aisle and then come back down the other, and they're just flipping cots. I mean, just, you know, trying to break you, you know? Well, we're all standing there in our whitey tighties, and they would do a hygiene check every night. They'd come by and make sure all your phenols were clipped, and you were shaved, and you had, you know, you were just... So we're in our like a white T-shirt and our boxers. Yeah. And the female drill instructors would walk through there. It didn't even matter. Well, there's these columns throughout the bays, and my buddy Double D, I'm not gonna say his name, but black guy, just hilarious. He's figured out that they couldn't see him until they got right there because he was behind this column. We're all standing at attention, you know. Walking down the aisle, well, for whatever reason. She had came around the back side of this thing and was walking, like, just lurching around the back. Well, he made it a habit of we're all standing at attention with our hands out in front of us. And so we're not at attention. We're, like, standing like this. Like a puppy dog. He's got his dick hanging out of his boxers (laughs) down to his knees. And he's just standing (laughs) there, like, just smiling, (laughs) just laughing. And we're all trying to keep it together. Yeah. All of a sudden, out of nowhere, 
ninja drill instructor comes around and do when I tell you she got within an inch of it, she had her hand. You know how they do like that? You knife know? hand. Knife, knife hand, hand, dude. dude. Yeah. Knife hand. She goes, What the fuck is that? And got like from an inch of it, dude. And he is jumping up and down trying to get that thing back. <laughs> it was so big, it would not go back in its hole in the boxer hole. <laughs> it was like <laughs> It was like trying. I gotta call it back (laughs) up. (laughs) It was like trying to get. I don't know if you ever, but like a like some like one of those snakes in a can trying to put it back in. (laughs) Yeah, it's like trying to get that back in a can, and he's and it's like crinkling up, and he is trying hard, like legitimate trying, and she is yelling, and you could tell, and she looked over at us, and we're all just dying laughing. (laughs) Most time, she looks at us, she goes, "You think this is funny?" and we all, she smoked us all, man. Like, she made us do sit-ups and everything. Later on that day, I'm walking out of the of the barracks, and I see her, and she's with a bunch of other female drill instructors telling them the story. Yeah. And literally describing how big it was. Needless to say, she was impressed. Dude, somebody's rocking a <laughs> knee knocker <laughs> like that. I was like, everybody. Then like, I knew. Whoa. Then Whoa. I knew I was screwed. Yeah, guys like that floating around <laughs> out there. You're like, God, dog. <laughs> yeah, you got to put it so, in. So, you know. That, that's a humbling experience. You just got to remember. Yeah. yeah. But at the same uh, time, like, I had a ranger buddy that was like that. Who was but, the guy? Oh, go ahead. You Sorry. know, they call, he called himself the Nutsack Ninja. You know, he's out there with his freaking knocker like that. But at the same time, and he would pull out like a party favor. He'd be at the bar. You turn around, his fucking dick was out. He'd yeah. have it sitting on the bar. Because it was like, it Ryan. was you know, he, he would pull it out, man. He'd just, like, have it out all the time. He's like, you turn around, there'd be a giant thing. But at the same time, like, he's like, yeah, problem, bud. Can't get it hard enough. It takes too much blood. <laughs> you got two pounds of dick. It takes a lot of blood to get it, get it yeah. going. I was like, well, good luck with that fucking thing. My little mighty mite doesn't need that much blood. I do just fine, yeah. buddy. My little light switch. Yeah. That three heart pumps. Yeah. And I'm already going at 50 heart pumps. Three heart pumps? <laughs> what are you talking about? Like, I'd be dead. That's something, bitch. Be all right. No. So yeah. let's not talk about dicks anymore. Nah, um, we're a good role, man. We're a good role. Yeah. You know, so at what point in your, so back to a dad thing, what point in your marriage does size and all that stuff kind of just fade away? Uh, I'm going to say after the first week. I don't, yeah, at marriage. <laughs> Dude, if I'm with your, I've, I mean, I'm sure I've been lied to, and if you think you haven't been lied to and you're a man, you're fucking crazy. Yeah. Because we just told stories about dudes out there. Oh, yeah. With dicks as big as your arm. They exist. You've seen porn. Nobody's ever wanted to see a porn with an average-sized dick. You want to see some big, crazy-looking horse cock, dude. Yeah. They're everywhere. Okay, so if you're rocking an average dick, and you're with a girl, and she's like, oh, my goodness, that's so big. It's not. And you yeah. know it's not, but just roll with it. It's part of this charade. It's like, oh, thank you. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Oh, I know this is really tough for you. Like that whole game, just play the game. She's being nice to you. If you're lucky, she's got small hands. Yeah, that's fine. It's fine. It's perfectly fine. Uh, the, I think the comment is, it's just the right size. Oh. <laughs> I think that's more of an insult. If you hear that, I think yeah, that's, just that's the- more of a, that's more of a, meh. She's yeah. just being very polite. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've heard stories though, man. I I, I did polite girls or did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, trust me. What <laughs> a girl tells you like, oh, they're so big, which is you just know it. You're, you're like, 
you don't have to lie to me. It's fine. Like I've lived my whole. I've been in a locker room. It's fine. Right? Lie to me. Lie to me. Nah, dude. You don't tell lie. me your lies. It's like if somebody's like extra vocal and is just going crazy in there. You're like, calm down. Yeah. You think there's an audience here? This isn't a live studio audience. It's just me. You're kind of freaking me out. You know, they got to settle down with some of that stuff. But that's what I heard. I don't know. Mm. Still a virgin. I don't know. I don't know about all that. But mm. yeah. Chris Chavez once told me about something like that. Now, what else has he been telling you about this Bayway toll? All right. So, current events. Uh, Mobile Bay. Mobile Bayway. Bayway has uh, slammed the city with a $6 toll. <laughs> well, that's one way, right? Yeah. Oh, my God. So, for those of you who don't know, like uh, the port city, you know, it's right on the bay. A lot of Where we're from. A lot of people uh, who work in downtown actually, if you want to grab another beer and not yep. knock over the camera, that'd be great. Uh, a lot of people actually live across the bay and work in Mobile. And so every day they commute across the bridge. But between that and I-10 travel in general, like that afternoon traffic can be a monster. You're talking an hour or two to go a couple of miles. It's pretty nasty. Um, so you're talking a mile or, you know, hour or two to go, you know, a couple miles. And so the whole thing, they're supposed to be building this new bridge to help, help alleviate some of that traffic. Well, ADEM, uh, not ADEM, but, uh, Aaliyah, Aldot, not Aaliyah, Aldot, um, has decided to forego applying for their, uh, federal grants, which they were, the Senator had them lined up for. They haven't sought other funding, so they've gone straight private for their funding. You know more about it than I do, then. And, uh, no, I read into the legality of it, because I know how some of it, you know, how it's supposed to work. And, because, uh, I mean, I worked at the Mobile County Attorney's Office briefly um, as a uh, as an intern when I was in law school. But, um, and my ex-wife worked in the county commission, so, uh, you know, I understand how some of that stuff works. And just, essentially... It looks like Aldot had some ties um, and some financial benefit to gain by not um, receiving sufficient funds to not charge some astronomical toll. And likely the whole thing was the private backer, which is funding most of this, which is a lot of the money's going to, right? They probably said, this is the amount we have to charge for the toll. So likely, you know, it's essentially like somebody, I'll only give you this loan if I can charge you this interest rate. Oh, yeah. That kind of situation. Yeah, yeah. It's probably, I'm only going to fund this bridge if I can charge you this much for the toll. And so Aldot probably was like, Ooh, well, if we take this money from the feds, then we can't char- we can't justify, you know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. So to get the loan to actually finish it, they probably, you know, had to, or didn't have to. They did that. It was a, probably a, you know, a convenient way to do things uh, for them. I'm not saying there's any, anything nefarious about it. I think it for them it just made since the easy way and instead of being difficult and trying to go about it another way that's what they did um so essentially people who are doing a daily commute on this things look, are looking at a 12 dollar a day you know toll fee which is absurd and they're saying like you can't circumvent it by going the longer harder way so even if you go the bay way like through the original uh tunnel the wallace tunnel mm-hmm. you're still gonna get charged there's no way around it you're well, gonna causeway to get to the causeway, you're going to pay the toll unless you go through Africatown. Hmm. So, what what did Chris have to say about it? Oh, he's pissed. 
Now we talked about Chris Chavez. He is our conspiracy he theorist. He's our res- he's our resident. He hasn't came up with it yet. Ten, ten full hat. But he will not come on the he podcast. Is formulating a conspiracy right now. Oh, for sure. I, I, I there might be one. I don't know, but he's all over it. He's all over it. He is all. What, what do you say? So you talked to him earlier, right? Yeah. Um, well, that was basically it. But he's he's saying so you can buy a ninety dollar a month pass. Ninety dollars a month. Ninety dollars. Get month. the fuck out of here, dude! I know, right? Get the fuck out of here. That's man. a car payment for some people, dude. Dude, ninety dollars a month. Ten hundred eighty dollars a year. Thousand eighty. Oh, that's ridiculous. Go fuck yourself. I know. So, I mean, it's tough. It's tough. Cause I think at that the same time, right. I'm not sure. At the same time, I can see where it'd be a huge incentive for corporations and stuff to pay for their people to go back and forth for work. Yeah, but that's, that, that. that's going to be a new factor. It is. Some corporations might pay it. Some might not. Know. You know, it's like a, like a car allowance, right? Mm-hmm. It's like, how much are you worth this company? And that's going to change a lot of people's work things. So yeah. they're going to have to take that into account. Yeah. So some I people that work paycheck, have. some people that work paycheck to paycheck, right? Like a secretary or something, right? Or a paralegal yeah. that lives across the bay, yeah. works in downtown Mobile. Baldwin County doesn't have the industry to support all the people that work in downtown Mobile that make that travel every day, right? Yeah. So now those people are going to spend an extra thousand dollars a year because these assholes are trying to are only going for a backer that's going to pay that. Because yeah. the senator, like our senator said, he's like. I had the federal grants ready. They just didn't apply for them. And they knew they were there. So it was set, everything was set in place to help r- mitigate this cost. And they didn't take it up for whatever reason. Um, and allegedly, they're just dodging it. They're just dodging it left and right. I mean, but, I mean, we have a lot of crooked programs here. You got ALDOT, you got ADEM, Alabama Department of Environmental Management. So you got that Tyson spill up here, and they said it's going to take the Blackwater River five years for the fish to. To I didn't hear about that. Are you kidding me, dude? It was like, just it was an insane fish kill. The Tyson plant up in northern Alabama mm-hmm. uh, released a bunch of chemicals out in the river, and ADEM had given them permits to release this stuff for a long time. Uh, it's real toxic stuff for the uh, for the flora and fauna in the river. Killed them, and to rebound from this. This latest release said up to five years. And the governor, Kay Ivey, said, well, the people are under the wrong impression that the government runs ADEM. Ma'am, that is a government agency. Yeah, we appoint those people. We don't run it. Do you not know how the government works? If you don't like the way it's running, yeah, you're not running the internal structure. Like They don't have the micromanaging capacity. They do have the ability to hire and fire Mm -hmm. the officials, right? What were the chemicals? Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't remember them offhand. I've read the article a long time ago. Something uh, they use in chicken, or uh, it's yeah, it <laughs> preserved us. I don't, yeah, I'm no. not sure. I mean, whatever it was in the in the processing, but it was a it was a nasty deal, and uh, really bad for the environment. Really, obviously, dude, the fish kill was in the tens of thousands, maybe a hundred thousand, maybe more. Yeah. Um, just just super terrible, and there's like no liability around. Everybody's like. Mm. So we were looking at a place over in Lake Charles, put an office, and uh, I never forget this, but the port director looked at me and he said, yeah, we got this area, this area, and this area that we're fixing to develop. He said, this area we thought about, but then we figured out some stuff that we couldn't do it. I said, well, what was the stuff? He's like, 
well, there's too many past sins. Too many so past. just think about think about before the you know before all these regulations and stuff came out back in the seventies, eighties, sixties, seventies, and eighties, how much stuff was dumped out there that we're still living with. Oh yeah, brother, you talk, dude. Environmental law was my that's why I got my certificate in, in law school. That's what I went there for. But it was you know. Trust me, like that stuff is, it's around, you know, that's like the, uh, oh, I haven't looked at it in a long time, man, but it's, there's a lot of that, right? Yeah. Um, there's a lot of that going around and it's, uh, and they've done a good job, you know, the EPA does its best, you know, cleaning up past waste sites. Um, but the problem is like when you have, you know, EPA only has, they have a basement level standards, like the FDA. People are like, FDA approved. Okay, that's the basement level standard yeah. on a anything. That's like, it won't kill you above this. It doesn't mean it's good for you. It means it won't kill you. People are like, FDA approved. Like, awesome. That means I can't, it's not poison at the dosage you're prescribing. That's all that means. It doesn't mean it's good for you. It just yeah, means it won't kill you at that dosage. <laughs> that's the LD50, right? The lethal dose. Yeah. So when people are like, government approved, like that, does, that doesn't mean good. Like that means basement level approval. Mm. Like the and and that's why lawsuits still win, even though some things are FDA approved, because they go, the FDA doesn't have the best scientists. Those dudes make sixty grand a year. The scientists you pay six figures that work for your pharmaceutical company, those dudes know better than the FDA scientists, and that's why they still lose those lawsuits, even though things are FDA approved, because their scientists knew better, right? And that's how it works. And the same thing with ADEM and EPA and these environmental leases. You know, the top scientists don't go to work for forty and fifty thousand dollars a year, which is what, um, you know, nonprofits can pay, which yeah. is what ADEM can pay, which is what the EPA can pay. So the top guys who can figure things out go to work for a private industry. They work for the oil companies. They work for food processors, the big GMOs, and all this kind of stuff. So they find ways to do it, and they find ways to explain it and push it through with the uh, with the government agencies to get the clearance to do it. Hey, we're going to get this many jobs in the area. We're at FDA standard. We're above the EPA levels for this, this, and this. We're good. So we can release this amount. We're a point source release for this amount. So you get your you know your 404 permits or whatever it is from the Army Corps of Engineers. Get it cleared with ADEM, and you're good. You're poisoning the water, but you're poisoning at a level that they accept. That's mm. all you're doing. You're poisoning at a level the government says, eh, that's the cost of doing business, right? Yeah. That's the cost, but that's a utilitarian approach to environmentalism. Low risk. Well, no, it's not low risk. It's like, what's the risk of like, so people have to have jobs. People have to eat. The environment has to survive. So there's a balance somewhere in there. So if work, this plant running at this rate will poison everything. So what if we run it at half that rate? We still get to keep some jobs, and we don't kill everything in the river. And that's the balance they strike. Because if you say, well, you can't release anything, well, then you can't run the damn plants. You can't run a nuke plant. A nuke plant releases warm water back into the into the river. Yeah, That's thermal pollution. It still kills things. Just warmer water coming in will kill flora and fauna, right? Mm -hmm. Like the water running off of blacktops and stuff, that's thermal pollution, right? So, like, blacktops in summer are hot as shit. They burn your feet, right? 120, 130 degrees, what superheats the rainwater. All that rainwater runs into the river. What do you think 130 degree water running into a river does to the fish that live in the water? Kills them, right? But that's the cost of doing business. That's the balance. 
But ADEM has definitely let that balance shift way, way too far in the favor of these companies. Man, when you're having massive fish kills like that, it's not good. Not good at all. But then you can see the other side of it, right? So look at the red snapper. So the red snapper was like the first time EPA stepped in to protect a species and put in a uh, protective program. And so you go in the Gulf now, you throw out your line during red snapper season, pull them up every single, like as quick as you throw the line out, you get one, right? Yeah. And people want to expand the season, expand the season. Hey, man, you almost drove these fish into extinction. The reason you can throw a line down and catch one every single cast during snapper season is because it was a government-managed program that stopped you assholes from overfishing. Oh, dude. I mean, that's what stopped them. That's, why, that's why they're like that now. And they don't realize it. Like, no, it was, a, it was a ten-year trajectory on saying, "Hey, if we don't stop and do something now, yeah, it, in ten years, yeah. we're looking at extinction." And a lot of people don't see that, and a lot they, a lot they of the don't news, understand the reason dude, you cast it out and you could pull one up with every line is because right. they were protected, right, from and overfishing, shorten the seasons, span them out, all that good stuff. Yeah, I, I got pretty deep into that, and I had a few buddies that are actually guides in Orange Beach, or yeah, charter boat captains. And man, I, they were like, "Hey, yeah, it hurts business, but I get it. I get it." People love it, man. When you take somebody out and you can guarantee them pulling in big red snapper every single time you go out, that's worth something, is it not? Yeah. And the fact of it is, man, it's just it's within the the outdoorsman, and it's it's rampant. It's overconsumption. Yeah, man. Like we, everybody wants to hunt now. Everybody wants to fish. Everybody always people will go out there and just, you know, they want to just go out there and drop their line in and catch fish. They want to go out there as soon as they sit down, shoot a deer. Yeah. I don't get it, man. Uh, I'm trying to Google that thing right now, but like there was a, uh, I mean. What are you trying to Google? Uh, the fish kill. A them fish kill. No, Tyson fish kill. Fish kill, Alabama. Okay, so I got it here. Uh, so wastewater spill wipes out 175,000 fish north of Birmingham. 175,000 fish. And all the people in the area are complaining that all you can smell are rotten fish. And... Uh, let's see, what did ADEM say? Yeah, essentially they've taken no action, well, can they, and they're, they're well, they well, they could find the company so it doesn't happen again. So the whole thing is, you've got to find the shit out of somebody to make it where they don't want to do it again, right? Yeah, send a message to everybody else, and they're not going to do it because unfortunately, and I and I see the side of it as somebody who works in a, a company that employs people, it's the it's the it's, Dude, the it's the it's the it's the balance. You think about how many people Tyson Foods employees? Oh yeah, in the little small town of Fort Payne, Alabama. They, That's where it's at. It's up there, right around Nakalula Falls yeah, yeah. and Little yeah. River and all that. But I don't even know what town that is. Uh, uh, I think it said Haynesville or something like that. Yeah. Um, so you think about that. That's that's the sole industry up there. Yeah, you got a lot of activists screaming about dead fish, but man, but it's as a thing. But what, if who's you got the leverage, right? Yeah, well, it's not just the leverage, but like, there, you have to have a balance. That's all it is. You know, because if you don't balance it, if you over overfish, if you over pollute, if you do these things, you can't use those resources anymore, right? You know that the uh, 
Do you know the number one resource? I, I, I watched this great documentary. I think it was a BBC documentary. Uh, it's before America Before Columbus. Yeah. Tremendous documentary. And they talked about the biggest resource missing in Europe, and it was the number one resource in the in the states when they came over was timber. Yeah, they pretty much clear cut everything in Europe. Oh yeah, they clear cut everything, and like the man, and they said like, timber was gold to the Europeans, man, hundred percent. Yeah, and they were just shipping it back just as quick as they they almost clear they killed so much, and they like they had overfished all the rivers and lakes in Europe. And the only fish they were able to get were sea fish. Mm-hmm. And they were overfishing them, right? Because the population expansion there at the time was tremendous. Yeah. Not with the Industrial Revolution and everything. So when they got to the New World, you know, I definitely got my timeline messed up there. But, uh, but the population was still growing. It wasn't the Industrial Revolution. But just in general, it was growing. And, uh, yeah. so It was their Industrial Revolution at that age. They, they yeah, were figuring some, things yeah, yeah, out. Yeah. That new technology, all that was progressing. Yeah, they, a lot of new technology was coming around, but and just, they, the population was expanding as well. Yeah, yeah. So the population growth, overconsumption of natural resources, and that's a story of all time. It's overconsumption yeah. of natural resources. That's the there's like three. It's a division of the commons, right? It's if everybody is in the same field and there we all have the same natural resources. Getting all like if you have three people in a field and they all have there's a hundred sheep in the field and you say, well, if all of us only use this amount of you know sheep per quarter, then this will stay, you know, replenished and reusable, right? Renewable. Well, what if somebody's like, well, I want to, I want to grow. I want to grow my people. I want to grow my area. So I need more. And so essentially that it creates a, uh, a, uh, what's the word? It's a, uh, not starvation, but like a like a quick run. Everybody wants to. It gets this. Well, if he's going to take it, I better get all all that I can right now. Because if he if he's going to get all his, I better get mine. And so it creates this whole run up on things, which is where we're at with like uh, you know CO two pollution and things mm-hmm. like that, right? So yes, the United States, everybody part of the Kyoto Protocol, which are the major industrialized countries. You know, you know Europe, most of Europe, the U.S., Japan, China. All took part of this, you know, environmental essential treaty where everybody was like, "All right, we're all going to scale back coal Paris, production." The, no, no, no. <laughs> the Kyoto Protocol—that's the one where they all, it's, you know, the carbon taxes. And it's everybody decided to scale back. Well, the countries that were up and coming, so America got ahead, just like Europe did, and everybody else by coal, right? That's how they all developing nations got ahead through that, like coal, coal power, you know, plants and all that kind of stuff. Okay, well, those places that are up and coming, the Congo, undeveloped Eastern European countries, and all these other places that aren't on that level, it's like, fuck you. You guys use this shit to get ahead. Why can't we use it? Yeah. And th- there's a valid point there, right? You can't tell them, like, hey, I know you guys would love to catch up with us, but we've already passed that and realized it's bad for the environment, so no. Mm. And they're like, go fuck yourself. We're going to keep doing this, right? It's like India. India is the biggest polluter. They're trying to catch up with everybody else. And who are we to tell them they can't? Uh, yeah, they're, they're building their middle class right now. Yeah. Um, and raping the shit out of people, so they should stop doing that part too. But, And that's just the news. That's not me being weird, hmm. just to be clear. Um, what were we talking about earlier with uh, 
Oh, you know, I was, shout out to uh, da- Combat Dad Bags. Let me put this out there. So a guy reached out to us and uh, had messaged us, and they provide essentially dad um, diaper bags, right? They help out with kids that aren't, you know, ultra feminine like most diaper bags you get. So I will uh, put this up to Evan's camera so maybe you can see it. Uh, there you go. So the the two things as a dad that I look for, other than clothes, right? Because I'm always shopping for like just cheap, cheap deals on clothes. That's, so it's, it's I think that's males like, in general. But as, as you go, dad, wow. you quit those same cheap clothes. Like the fuckability of those clothes, yeah. like you you care less, right? Like your Shimano's. Yes. So Evan now has a sporty version of Crocs. Yeah. The Shimano's, and he loves them. I'm not mad at him. Can we hold one up? I'm wearing. Yeah, right can we now. hold one up? Yeah, hold one up. So right we're gonna now. hold one up right so, now. So not the so, sexiest looking shoe. So Evan doesn't have to keep it sexy. He's on round three of children right now. Um, that's that's a shoe. That's a Croc like shoe. Um, rubberized. Rubberized. He's got a. It's got a buckle on it. It's a little step up from the Croc. It's got a little chrome. Uh, it looks pretty sleek. It's got some Velcro and a chrome snap buckle. Uh, uh, you know. For dad things, maybe put it on like the side of a diaper bag in case yeah. you need to go barefoot. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Shackle, um, shackle yeah. on. So, you know, well, I budget shop for clothes I think that won't embarrass me. He just budget shops for clothes he thinks are comfortable. Yeah? Yeah. Agreeable? Oh, yeah. Agreeable. And that's, I, man, I'll tell you what. One thing that's been bashed pretty hard is, you know, fratastic or whatever, but the AFTCO shorts. You got to let that go. Dude, now I, I've had mine for like Eight years. I mean, if they're good shorts, they're, they're good just shorts. like utility shorts that are just made out of like the most basic material for $55, but they'll last you eight years. I, I will got, never I pay one, $55 I, for dude, shorts. I'm telling you, I wouldn't either. I wouldn't either, but like, I, I got it. a pair for gains the other day. Did or, you? yeah. Take his little butt out of the water, man, hose him off. He can wear them for the rest of the day. They're the quickest drying. I'm like, man, this is money well spent. But either way. Yeah. It's it's stuff like that, and it's it's hard to see the value. But the three the three things that I shop for the most uh, here recently, I've been shopping or keeping my eye out for a leather handbag, like a travel carry on bag that does it all. Dude, it looks professional. I got one for you. Okay, I got one. So I got I got a, I got a uh, like Italian leather. What? Yeah, what yeah, really? I, I do. I got a two hundred dollar Kenneth Cole bag. I bought when I graduated law school because I thought I was going to be super fancy. Yeah. Like, you know, in the movies where you slap it up on the table yeah. and start pulling out briefs. Yeah. yeah. I got one of those. Is it like knife? And I was like, oh, shit, I guess Your it is. Your little knife man. got taken? No, not on my keychain. I used to have a knife on my carabiner oh, on my yeah. backpack, like a Columbia carabiner. Yeah. had a knife and a saw. Like a big blade. And like, it wasn't hidden. You could fucking see it. It was like a black carabiner. I had like a little pull-out knife yeah. thing on it. Dude. I haven't thought about that motherfucker in forever. I used it to clip stupid shit on. Finally, some dude at TSA was like, is that a knife? I was like, yeah, dude. He's like, oh, you can't have that. I was like, oh, shit, I'm really sorry. Fucking throw it away or whatever you got to do. And he's like, after I go through, he goes, nah, you can have it back. And like, he was just going to let me roll with like a three-inch blade like back into the airport. And his boss almost shit a duck. He goes, no, he can't have that. Fuck. What are you talking about? Throw that away. The guy was like, "Oh, <laughs> I mean, I was I actually it was a te- it was a, te- it was a test, boss." 
funny you say that. I had a guy two days ago, uh, Friday, call me. He was flying back to Charlotte from Birmingham. And uh, I had I'd driven over to Atlanta for the day, so I went in town. He calls me. He's like, hey, man, you want a pocket knife? I said, what kind? He's like, little Kershaw, sweet yeah. little knife. I'm like, you're at the airport, aren't you? He's like, yep. <laughs> he's like, I'm here at the Birmingham airport, and I'm about to throw it away. I was like, I'm in Atlanta, man. I can't help you, buddy. Sorry. He's like, God, dog. Dude, put it under a brick outside. Yeah, well, regardless. Um, but the three things I shop for, man, shoes, mainly boots, but but shoes. Yeah, but work, work boots, boots. Work boots, yeah. I like to have a nice set of work boots. Um, something I still hold in high regard. A good, a good handbag, like travel bag. And, oh, like, I like some good pants. Wait, let me ask you this. So, as we, both of us pretty much are on the road, if not every week, every other week, right? Which is why our podcasts are so damn stretched out, for those of you who don't know. Like, I travel, literally, I'm scheduled every other week. Yeah. Like, I was in Dallas last week. I'm not I'm here this week. I'll be in Houston next week. I'll be in San Diego in a couple of weeks. I'm just, we're always gone, right? And you're yeah. either, yeah. you're all over everywhere. You know, same thing. So, as people that travel, like, and I'm not, like, because I, I do my own schedule, like, I don't really care. Like, I don't need the extra 20 minutes. So, I, the bulk of my attire, I do, you know, I check, I check my bag. Mm-hmm. I carry my backpack with me that has, like, my actual work shit in case I need to go to work without my, like, clothes clothes. But all my overnight and, like, workout gear and all that kind of shit, I put in a bag I check. What about you? Do you do all carry on? No, I try to do all carry on, but most of the time I check. You check your bag too. But that screws me because if my flight gets delayed or if my flight gets canceled and I've checked the bag, I can't tell you how many times this happened, man. The two months ago when I oh, yeah. technically missed my flight, I was an hour early and they're like, Southwest like, nope, you didn't check in. No, it was Southwest? So, oh, no, not Southwest. American. Yeah, I told you, America is the piece of shit that'll do That's that when to I you. figured out. I'm like, only the time, fly Southwest, dude. Only fly like, Southwest. Check in. What are you talking about? She's like, yeah, you're supposed to check in 48 hour or at least an hour and 45 no, two, minutes. And, yeah, check in like two hours, two hours earlier. Yeah, or like they American. give your seat away. Yeah, that happened to me. I told I you, I was livid, dude. That the only time and I flew I'd already bus. checked my bag. No, I checked my bag. She's like, I can get you on a later flight. Puts me on a later flight. Charge you for it? No, no, no. Listen to this. The later flight comes up. Mm-hmm. I'm not priority because I've already missed my flight. So they got other people who are waiting in line for that flight. So I'm just in, in the back of the line waiting on this flight for somebody to get canceled or whatever, not show up. I didn't make that flight because Ugh. there wasn't an available seat. Yeah. My bags are in Greenville, South Carolina, Ugh. waiting on me. I'm still in Birmingham. I'm not getting a flight out to the next day. I rent a car, go by the Greenville airport, pick up my bags. That's why I hate checking bags. Uh, I can see that, but dude, I, I will only fly Southwest. Like, I, be, because of that, like, so this, like, to this last trip, I booked a uh, super early flight. Like I told you, I had to be up there by six. Mm-hmm. Like my flight was at six, so I'd be at the airport by five. You know, standard. Yeah. I got there at like five fifteen, five twenty. I was running a little behind. Um, pretty much, it, because I, I did check in on the app the day before, so they knew like I'd already checked in. Which I think is stupid. If I buy my fucking ticket and I don't cancel it, then I'm fucking checked in. I hate the whole check-in yeah, My money's thing. there. My money's there. If I paid you, dickhead, I intend on taking the flight unless I canceled it. But whatever. So I checked in. Did they hail the fucking flight? Their flight was full. Everybody was on board except for me. 
like when I was walking up and it was supposed to be take off in 15 minutes, they're like, Mr. McCarn, like Southwest will hold the fucking flight. They will hold the flight for you if you've checked in. Like they will hold the fucking flight. And they've done that for me twice. And if you miss the fucking flight, they'll put you on the very next one. Like I've had zero trouble with Southwest, not one iota. Their planes aren't as nice as Deltas. That's fine. I love their planes. I love the way they board. They yeah. make you stand by post. I love like, pick your own seat, man. Yeah. That's the best. Get the fuck out of here. It's Southwest like, is the It's kind of communist, but I like dude, it. Listen to me. It is the best. No, because no, no, that's it's a, a little communist. No, it's not. It's meritocracy, right? Because I can choose <laughs> I can choose where I want to sit. I have to choose my place in line based on when I buy my ticket. Right. But if I want to sit in the middle and these two assholes up front think they're not going to fucking have somebody sit in the middle because they put their bag there, I love that. Do these guys will always put their bag or their coat, mm-hmm. like the guys that pay for the A1 ticket, Yeah, put a bag and a coat in that middle seat and pretend like somebody's fucking sitting there. And they act like it when people keep breezing by them. I'm like, hey, somebody's sitting there. They're like, what? Who's that? Somebody? Yes, there are. I'm like, is there a person in that seat? Or is that your bag? And they're like, fine. And they they get get so mad, dude. I'm like, fuck you. It's a full flight. If it's not a full flight, I'm not going to do that to anybody. But if it's a full fucking flight, and I'm going to have to get a middle seat anyways, go fuck yourself. I'm sitting right here. Fucking level one, bitch. Mm. They get a little salty about it. They get a, a tad salty. But fuck it, I'm not flying American ever again. The worst fucking airline. I agree, dude. I agree. They can suck. I haven't had too many problems with Delta, but no, Delta. Delta's never did me wrong, but I love the uh, the customer service Southwest. Like they don't charge you extra for the bags. I got you. They don't charge you if you miss your flight. They just put you on the next flight out. And to change your flight, dude, I've changed my flight on Southwest so many times. Like if I got done with work early, if I wanted to stay somewhere a day late. They don't charge you extra. As long as the flight doesn't cost more, they don't charge you. Yeah. So if I want to leave a day early, I'm like, hey, man, uh, I wrapped up work early. Can I switch my flight? They're like, yeah. When do you want to go? Like, no problem, dude. No fucking problem. So I'm down with Southwest. So if anybody's out there traveling, highly. And I know they wear shorts. And it's hard to trust people who wear shorts in a professional environment. They, they're all right in my book. All right. <laughs> But either way, uh, but so, either way, so that's that's Southwest. But you know, back to to dad stuff. So we took your kids hiking today. Yeah, yeah, interesting. I, that was the first test, man. I, I've never was that the first time I've you never took them put hiking? them. A, yeah, I've never put them in an environment where they could just where they like, struggle a little bit. Yeah, yeah, and that's sad. Cause my little girl's four, and my little boy's two. I, I can see it. I say that. Um, we took my little girl when she was two. We took her uh, to. Right there by Tyson Food Plants, actually, Fort Payne. And it was freezing cold, man. She was actually younger than two. So, no. I've never never put them in extreme settings. And it was, a, it was a decent little hike. It was, it, probably, was. it was probably a half mile hike down to the waterfall. And, and a some, pretty steep hike yeah, for the steep. last, like, 50 meters. 50, 100 meters was probably 45 degrees, rocky. And yep. we, we pretty much had to step on the roots and had to hold their hands with them floating over the ground. Yeah. Which I told him, so that, so like I told you, so I was going to send him down there by himself because he wanted to take him hiking and day, get him out of the house, give his wife a break, and uh, who's eight months pregnant, uh, give her a break. And I was like, well, man, you don't know the area. You haven't been up there. And I go there all the time with mine. So let me let me take you up. Let's we'll go up there together with the kids. So I don't have my kids this weekend, so we'll go up there and I'll help you out. 
Yeah, you were about to send me down there. Just I was about to send you by yourself. Dick in hand. Yeah, I was like, ah, I've, I've, because I've been there, man. Like I'm, I was like, I'm glad you came. Yeah, I, I've, I've been the dad who put himself. I knew in something his, was up when you said I'll come with you, and then you didn't bring your dog. I was like, well, you're not bringing McKenzie. No, she no, can't it's, really it's, make it. No, no I was yeah. like, I started thinking about like, it. I was like, I'm, I'm, setting you, I'm setting you up for failure, and I was like, ah, I can't really do that to him. Uh, it's just one of those things where, like, out of our group of friends, I was the youngest dad. Right, the first one was yeah, to be a dad. So, like, I've done a lot of these things as a single dad. <laughs> so, I've had two kids ever since Liam was born. I've been a single dad. So, I've done a lot of these things. We've done little mini adventures just with the three of us and my mm-hmm. dog. So, I've been in shitty situations where I'm like, "Fuck, I have bitten off more than I can chew. This is gonna <laughs> suck." I've done it a lot, man. Uh, that time, I, I've had to. I got put on 10th floor with a balcony when I took the three of us to New Orleans one time and I had to get an extra sheet from downstairs to tie the handles together so my two-year-old son wouldn't open the door and jump out the goddamn balcony. Because Liam would get up early in the middle of the night and do weird shit and try to escape and do weird stuff. We were on 10th floor and had a balcony. Where was this at? It was in New Orleans. An apartment you were living in? No, no. I got a hotel. We were going down to visit. It was after I had oh. not lived there anymore. And yeah, so I got yeah, us okay. a hotel to go visit because they wanted to go back to the zoo because I was still a member of the Audubon Society. So I knew we could go visit. Was I there? No, you were in Baton Rouge. I know, but didn't I come down and see you one time? Yeah, you came down to see us that, actually that trip. Was it? That was that trip. Oh, yeah. It sure was. That was that trip. Um, You had Sage's brand new baby. Yeah. Sage's brand new baby. That was a good time. That was a good time. That was a good trip. But yeah, it was that trip where I had, I literally had a, so like, so imagine Gaines. Imagine you, Gaines, and Sage. Same age, because your kids are same age gap, so the same age right now, they are right now. Yeah. The three of you staying in a hotel that has balcony french doors opening up to like a balcony that's literally 10 stories up yeah and you know and he i don't know how Gaines is but liam gets up used to get up at six or five yes yes exactly and get into all the shit right burn the house down yeah yeah so <laughs> and I, I was so scared man like i realized i had a balcony i was, all, I was like oh no you know because i didn't know when i booked the hotel so i, did, I got an extra sheet extra flat sheet from downstairs and i had to like and i fucking woke up man let me tell you that shit was cracked he had tried. He had for sure tried to open that door. I'm like, man, I'd have been on the news. I came up to that hotel room. Yeah. Yeah, you did. I was, yeah, I was in there. Okay. Yeah, right. yeah. Same hotel. So we stayed in a hotel or a condo down in Panama City a couple weeks ago on the 20th floor. Yeah. How'd the kids they do, had how'd the, they deal with the, that? Well, the doors were like the hurricane proof. Like, like super, you got to be a, I mean, I, Courtney couldn't open it. Heavy door. And you go out on that balcony, dude, and they got this little aluminum handrail. You're like, what is that going to stop? Not a damn thing. Yeah, dude, he's like, kids are just, they don't realize. No, I mean, they don't, especially. Oh, little, I mean, look little, down there. Little Ooh. boys don't have that sense of danger, you know? They're just so, you know. No. And it, it's awesome. You know, I love that. I love that. Like, I see that in a lot of the ironworkers I work with now. What? They never lost that, or they never gained that sense of danger. Yeah. Uh, they came straight out of high school and I are working, and they're up 500 foot on a, walking a steel beam, not tied off. <laughs> and Dude. I'm like, man, you got to tie off. Man, I've been doing this for years. Don't you, you worry about me. You got to tie off. And I'm up there white knuckled, walking the rails like, Ugh. bro, you won't even get me up there. Uh, you won't even get me up there. I've done it. Four or five times since I've worked with this company I'm with now, and it's it's not good. It's nerve wracking, isn't it? It is not good, dude. Those guys that get out there, but here's the thing, man. There's courage, 
and then there's being stupid. Now, some of those guys have courage, and some of them are stupid. And I say stupid in the way that, in a, in a beneficial way to them, because it helps them make money. They don't appreciate the danger they're in. Mm-hmm. When yeah. you're too dumb to realize how much danger in you're in, and you don't care, well, it's not. It's thing. not courage. Courage is knowing the danger and going forward anyways. Right? Mm-hmm. You should be afraid. If you're facing certain death and you're not afraid at all, then you're dumb. Yeah. You're not smart. Courage isn't that. Fearless is dumb. Courage is absolutely going. I'm gonna. I could fucking die. Yeah. If I don't do what I'm supposed to do, I'm gonna fucking die. And that's having the courage to still move forward, right? Yeah. That's that's different. So I will say this. So I had a when I first started working there, we had a kind of a team meeting, brought everybody together, and one of the guys who I thought was probably gonna be one of the and, worst. Uh, you know what? Let me let me rephrase that. I don't I don't mean dumb. I think they lack the imagination to. It's not dumb. They're not dumb guys. They're, oh, there's some dumb ironworkers. No, no, but I, but they're not dumb. I don't I don't mean to say dumb. That sounds very dismissive. What I mean to say is I think they honestly lack the the imagination to understand how it could go wrong. And I don't think that's necessarily dumb. They're smart enough to be an iron worker, right? Yeah. Like they're not an idiot. They can't just work a shovel. So they're smart enough to do what they're doing, right? Yeah. Make, make a shit ton of money doing it. So they're not dumb. I think they lack the imagination to appreciate the danger. They can't see how it could go wrong. Most of them, yes. So let me say that. Okay. To that, yes. I don't mean to be insulting. But, you know, this is what I was getting. So guy, start working there. He's one of our top guys. I mean, yeah. can climb 400, 500, 600 foot in the air, not think nothing about it. Um, been in the industry a long time. We had our kind of a yearly t- annual team meeting, and uh, I asked, or uh, my boss asked him to give a, a speech on safety. And he said, I want you to talk about this, this, and this. And, you know, we're going to approach a lot of different, uh, a lot of different topics in this thing, but the main one's going to be safety. And all of them complained about tying off. Tying off. I got to tie off my tool, tether my tools to me. I got a, you know, 16 pound sledgehammer I got to tie to me, you know. He said, you know, it's just gotten ridiculous. All these safety requirements and uh, guidelines now that we got we have to abide by are ridiculous. Yeah. And and some of them are redundant, but but I'll say this. He got up there, man, and I didn't expect this from him, but it was it was pretty touching. He said, you know, all this safety stuff I feel like is bullshit. He said, but every time I get up there, he said, I remember two dates. And he lists the dates off, and I've got them written down on my desk, actually. I, I wrote them down. And you can Google them, and it shows exactly what happened on those dates if you type in the right words. He said, on those two dates, he said, first date, I lost my brother. Damn. He said he was rigging up some a piece, and they were flying it up, hit some power lines, electrocuted him. Damn. He said, so I get the electrical safety part of it. He said, next one was I got down to the ground, just climbed off a tower crane that was 500 foot in the air. Uh, and I was looking up and I saw my buddy out like on the jib of the tower crane or the part that swings horizontal. Yeah. He said he was out on the jib and they were messing with the trolley and the trolley is the thing that runs out and it carries. Hey man, did you see that movie Skyscraper with the Rock? Yes. So he got, he goes out on that thing. Yeah. I literally was like, I had butterflies in my stomach watching him do that. It's nuts, man. 
what they do is it like I, just watching him do it on a fucking movie had me like nervous. I was like, God, dog. So this guy he's talking about was doing that. Was, was out, out on the jib, and apparently the operator or something happened with the trolley where it moved, and it's just on wheels rolling up and down that. It's on a cable, yeah. right, or something. Well, the, there's a cable that pulls it, like on a pulley system, but it has and wheels it, it that guide it. Yeah, rides rides the the cords of the actual jib, the horizontal yeah. part. Well, something happened to where it rolled and it kicked out his feet from underneath him. Oh my god! And he grabbed. The hoist rope, which is the main cable line that runs through the trolley and goes down to your hook block. And that's what you pick your loads with and all that. Grabbed it, and it's got grease on it. It's got cable grease on it. Oh. And he said, it's just like holding it there with that, that one little glove he had on, you know. And he said, man. He was looking up there at him. He saw him fall. He's like, holy crap. He's like, he's going to be glad he tied off. Well, about that time, the dude just like drops to the ground. Busts like a grape. He's like, so... Whenever I start thinking all the safety bullshit is not in my best interest, he's like, I remember those two dates. He's like, and I don't care. If he had been tied off, that wouldn't happen. Right? I don't, yeah, dude. I, that is it, man. I mean, 500 foot from the ground, you're dead. <laughs> now, if I'm six feet off the ground, I know I'm supposed to be tied off on a platform, you suck it. Yeah. If I'm over six feet, but you know what? Hey, where does it start, though? You know? It's. It, I was about to say that. So I, I just read a terrifying article where a kid was at a uh, at a like a one of these trampoline fun houses that kids go to yeah. love. But it wasn't on the trampoline. It was on the rock wall part, right? Mm-hmm. And on the rock wall part, he fell nine feet. And they don't, you know, they have these uh, these suspension pulleys that are they work like an elevator. So the fast, like the more tension, the slower it goes. I don't know what you call them, a static pulley or something like that. That's what all the Rockwell climbing places use. So instead of having somebody on the ground that's having to, you're counting on that person, yeah. having you, this pulley will slow you down no matter what. Mm-hmm. No matter if you're 50 feet up and jump off, it's going to slow you down enough to where it's not going to hurt you. You're going to fall 20 feet a second, or no, five feet a second. Just, mm-hmm. you know. Um, but the kid was like nine feet up. And I guess it. I guess it was so low to the ground it didn't catch. And so he just fell nine feet back on his head and snapped his neck. He was like an 11-year-old boy. Yeah. Dude. Dude. So, I mean, you never know. You know, I get the safety aspect at work. Um, you know, we, we just hired a, uh, a new safety guy, and a lot of our customers are – a lot of our salespeople are getting pissed because he's pointing out a lot of things our customers are doing with our employees. Or he's like, hey, man. They're not doing this right. They're not doing this shit right. Da, 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 da. People are getting get hurt. It's not even worth being out there working for this customer. You know, if people are going to be getting hurt because they're not doing the right safety things. Yeah. So, I mean, you, you do a cost benefit. You're like, yeah, they're a 20 million a year customer, but we've got 30 million in work comp claims. So we did a SWOT analysis this past week at our company. What is a SWOT analysis? Strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats. Okay. It's like, one of the most basic fundamentals in business school when you go through business school or whatever, you that that's kind of what you learn, right? Okay, so like SWOT analysis. So I thought it was kind of like cheesy that they made us do one, but our safety guy got up there and it was all the all the managers in our company got up and talked. Yeah. And you now we've got fifteen well, I say fifteen. The equipment supply side of our business has eight branches. Yeah. And we're constantly expanding to follow the big the parent company. 
he got up there and he said, uh, and cranes are some of the riskiest things we do. So right. I was expecting to get up there and talk a little bit more about cranes. But he's like, Evan, man, I'm not going to, like, really, honestly, you guys are probably one of the safest groups we, we manage. But he said, the things that keep me up at night are the DOT regulations and our trucking, over-the-road trucking. He's like, yeah, one piece of equipment. He said, you know how much stuff we ship out to jobs each day? Hundreds of pieces of equipment. He's like, one piece of equipment didn't chain down right. Or we don't use the right size chain on a piece of equipment that weighs more than the rated capacity of those chains. Or one blown tire or whatever. He said, that we could take out a family. He said, your wife's driving on the road. Something falls off a trailer that we didn't tie down properly. That that wipes them out. Yeah, that probably is your biggest. Dude, it opens my eyes. I'm like, holy smokes. Yeah. So, on a tangent here, a rabbit hole, whatever you call it, but man, that was, I was like, man, safety first, things people. you don't think about. Dude, it is the little things, man. <clears throat> Where's your most exposure? So, but back to what we were saying about our kids and our hike. First time, <laughs> first time I'd ever really put them to the test, dude. And it was only for about an hour. Yeah. But dude, they were wiped. Like, we got them, they, they barely made it down there. And then the, they were just—you could tell they were. But just, well, it's like I told you. So, like I've done both of these hikes with my kids. At the eight, I've done them at with the younger side of them. Now yeah. they're older; they can handle a much longer hike. But I knew if I sent you on the lighter hike where you wouldn't see anything really cool, but you could just kind of play in the woods, they would make it about this far. And I knew on the waterfall hike, it's a short hike. It's relatively easy until you get to the uh, yeah. It's relatively easy until you get to the uh, till you get to the steep side. Uh, there you go. To get to the steep side by the uh, the waterfall, the last you know, fifty hundred meters, something like that. Um, I knew you're gonna need another adult. There's no way to get little kids down there without another adult, just because the way it is. Because um, I could barely get my dog down there, and so I was like, man, for the maximum fun, the waterfall would be the be the ticket. And so we should, I should go with you. That way, I know you guys can go do that. Uh, but yeah, it was it was interesting to see you deal with your kids go through that from that perspective because I remember doing that with my little kids and just like the safety aspect and learning how much they know about what we got a little bit in there but like you can see Sage was a lot more safe than Gaines right yeah like Gaines was like let's go daddy let's go jump jump I have to do that with Liam like I tell you man my thing with Liam is like we see something that looks gnarly. I'm like, buddy, I want to jump off that too, but we'll die. I want you to have the maximum amount of fun, but not die. Do you understand that? Like, I love you. I want us to have all the fun, but not die. So work with me. <laughs> Just work with me a little bit. Just work with me. Hold my hand. Because when, I, like, with us, because you had your your daughter, or you had your son, and I had your daughter. We could step down, and then you. You know, you had gains, and we forced him to pace himself. Oh man, and he was pissed. Yeah, he was mad. He's like, "Daddy, get down there, jump." You know, but it was good, man. They enjoyed it. But as soon as we got up, it's, dude, kids. If you don't, if you don't, if you don't have little kids, this won't make sense. But if you have kids, you get it. Their motors are at red line RPMs all day. Which is why they nap. They can nap twice a day because they burn through all the fuel in their little body, will drive you crazy. But then all of a sudden they just crash and it's a wrap. You're like, what the shit was that? <laughs> because like we, as adults, I think we ration our energy out. Oh yeah. You know, our bodies and we've learned to ration oh, yeah. our energy. 
where you don't redline, you're not at a sprint. And like they don't know not to sprint. They're just like, nah. So as soon as we got back out of the waterfall, they were done. They were pissy. Yeah. Whiny. I need food. I need water. <laughs> Ice cream. Where's your truck? Popsicles. I need a popsicle. Where's a popsicle? You're like, we're in the woods. Like they were like completely disenchanted with the woods. Yeah. They were done. How do you so how do you throttle forward on the on the girls and then throttle back on the boys to get that balance? Man, with the boys, it's they don't like it, but as long as they understand it's coming from a good place, they just have to know. Like Liam, at his age, he's at now, he knows. I I absolutely want him to have the best time. I love him. Like he he doesn't question when I when I tell him to rein it in. He used to obviously throw a fit, just like Gaines did. But at the at seven, where he's at now, he's like he gets it. I'm like, buddy, no, 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 ease up, ease up, ease up. He's like, oh. He gets it. Leighton's always been like that. You know, the daughter, yeah, yeah. she's always been like, just, she's been game. Yeah. Stays right in the hip pocket. Does whatever I tell her to do. She's never had a problem. But Liam, he's finally at the age where he understands, like, okay, dad wants me to have a lot of fun. Like, when I took him to the caves for his birthday. Yeah. Where I needed to throttle myself back, and I didn't realize it till I was already in a precarious position. And I was like, oh. So, like, the stuff we went down today... Imagine that over a hundred feet with a giant canyon going down another hundred and eighty feet, and it's wet. And I was just like, "Wow, son, I've put us in a uh, put us in a put us in a bit of a a pickle, bit of a pickle here." And he was like, "What? Can we not go out there?" I was like, "No, no, we can't. Daddy's done a Daddy's done what you would do. Like I've done like adult <laughs> version of you right now. We we got to go back up, buddy. Like." We have no cell phone reception. Nobody knows we're down here. We got a permit. Ain't nobody coming looking. We got to get out of here. You had to get a permit? Yeah. They only allow four people to go down there a day. And they keep a camera at the main gate. It's dangerous. They allow four permits per day. And a permit can have two adults. Yeah, you're nuts. Well, I, it looked a lot more tame. And then I got down in there, and like it had been raining, so the, there were three waterfalls. That's where the kid died, right? Yeah, where a lot of people die. Really? Because I thought they were coming in through the vertical. I thought that's how most of them died. Once I got in there, I realized how dangerous it actually was. I was like, oh, this is a lot more dangerous than I had uh, anticipated. Because the articles, I, you know, I read up on it a lot, and I was like trying to evaluate what we could, we're actually capable of doing. So we did some caving at a real like touristy place, and this was private. This is straight up spelunking, right? Like people like come down on carabiners and ropes and out of one entrance to the cave. Then there was a walk-in entrance. I thought it would be way more, uh, way more tame, way more amateur level stuff that we could handle no problem. But they for sure was like, you definitely can't go down there without a helmet. Got to have helmets. So we brought our bike helmets. <laughs> We didn't have any ropes or carabiners or anything, but I was like, it looked like it was hikeable. And man, we got down in there. I was like, dude, this is so dangerous. I'm being a bad dad right now. Definitely being a bad dad. <laughs> and I was like, I fucking want to kick my own ass for getting you down here. And he was like, he was so game because like, there's this pedestal you would have to jump to. It was like just death on every side of it. It was like essentially a, a, a stalagmite grown up in the center of it. With a flat pedestal at the top. Yeah. Just off a ledge that's like just death all around it. 
just 100 feet down. 100, I think it was 180 feet on either side of it. And he was like, can we get out of that? Because it looks super cool because there's the entrance right above it, right? To where water and sunlight pour straight down on this cool-looking pedestal, like just off the ledge of the inside of the cave. And we were like, and, and like I had it in my head that we would make it out to it. I don't know why. But I was just like, I was looking at it. I was like, oh, buddy. Daddy's done, done bad, bad. <laughs> like I'm, I'm you. I'm a bigger version of you hey. right now. And I'm making, I've made a huge mistake. You know? My dad and I did the same thing. I was 18, though. It was right before I joined the military. Yeah. Graduated high school. We want to go on this long, cool trip. Went to uh, Little River Canyon. You told me about it. Yeah. You told me you went to Little River Canyon. I didn't know about it. Yeah. He's like, man, we could, we could just hike down in it. So we had to jump off this cliff in the water with all our stuff. <laughs> and there was a way back up, but we just didn't feel like going that way. So we yeah. jumped off in the water with all our stuff, swam over to the bank, got all of it out. I mean, it was, had all of it in like, you know, Wet, dry stuff. Had this rucksack over here. Yeah. And, uh, man, we walked down this ravine. And I'm talking about, like, steep hills, boulders the size of, like, buildings. And I look back on it now, I'm like, 40-year-old man and an 18-year-old boy walking out in there. One false move. You know, it's a broke leg. Something. That was the thing. At least you were 18, and yeah. you probably could have carried your dad out or at yeah. least hiked back out and figured something out. Yeah. My boy was turning seven that day. So, like, I realized, like, I was the same kind of situation. Like, I was in, I was in sketchy territory for me as an adult. <laughs> and it, and I, in all honesty, it was almost a mile trek up some sketchy way to get in. Yeah. There was no way possible. Because I had to swing him over a ledge to even get out there. And I probably could have went. There's probably a longer way. I think that was the main trail I was on. There's probably I probably could have diverted, and it wasn't too sketchy. But like, there's no way a seven year old was going to navigate back out to the road. Yeah, back out and figure out something. There's no way. And I realized it's like I've got us up here in like a shitty, <laughs> shitty situation, and we don't need to be here, man. And it's just one of those things where like I think after that. Ever since that trip, he's just kind of been like, Dad gets it. Mm -hmm. Dad's down. So you ever seen the movie Surviving the Game? 100%. Have you really? Yeah, bro. With Ice-T? Ice-T. Yeah. Dreadlocks. He was the homeless guy? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I fucking love that movie. So the guy that brings his son out there, teaching him like yeah, a life yeah, lesson. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like kill another life lesson. How, <laughs> how so to hunt other people. As a dad, I get that. Like, I want to do that with my son Wait, wait, day. wait. Stop. Clarify. Clarify. I'm gonna say that I want to. I want to teach. You my don't want to hunt iced tea. No. Shit. No. Um. I. So what? So. So I would like to be able to take my son and push him, especially your son, right? That's kind of like the yeah. manly thing to do. Whatever, whatever you want to call it. But I, I would like to be able to build character in him all the way up to that point, and then to give him the final test. Yeah. What is that? What is that? Why do we do that? Well, I, th I think like in that movie, it shows the flaw in that. It's not oh, your. It's, I, yeah, I, I, for, that. For, for, what? No, no. I think for me, for me, I think, and it's just like I talk about with my daughter, and, especially, and I understand where you come from, the son, because you want your son to be as good or a better man than you are yourself, right? Ten times, yeah. You want them to be, but which, which I think that means though, is not you supplying the curriculum, you supplying the tools. For me, I think that is 
What it's are like, the tools? Well, it's like my it's it's like our dads, right? We've definitely ventured down roads our dad haven't been down. They didn't give us some final test we had to pass for manhood. They gave us the tools to, like don't be a piece of shit, be fiscally, financially, ethically responsible, and go out into the world and, and you know live a good life and be a good man, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. They didn't give us a test. They gave us the tools. We test ourselves, right? I, I'm with you. I, I do like. I like taking it because I, I think more than a test, I think it's a lesson. I think it's a lesson in that, like, if that kid had survived in that movie, he'd have learned, like, don't fucking hunt human beings. My dad's a piece of shit. Yeah. Right? There, You can take it too far. Like, if that kid would have survived the movie, he'd have been like, you could definitely take this too far. Like, it would have been a lesson. It's not about the test. You test yourself every day. I think. Like, if you're not better than you were the day before, then... And I, I know that's tough. That's a high standard. But I think that's the goal, right? Is to yeah. be better than you were yesterday. Oh, and yeah. if you're doing that, then you're fine. You don't have to compare yourself to somebody else. It's just as long as you compare yourself to yourself. Am I better than I was yesterday? And I think that's the only way to test yourself. If you evaluate yourself like, am I, did I make better decisions? Did I wake up on time? Did I get to work on time? Did, you know, if you did it the day before, day before and you didn't do it today, then what am I doing? You're going in reverse. You know, I, think, I think that's the test. Uh, you know, it's just like, you know, life's not a sprint, it's a, it's a marathon. So everything is a test. I think that, that would have been a lesson, but I 100% agree that you want to put your children in those crucibles, right? That yeah, heart- I saw it today, man. Yeah. I saw it today. Yeah. I mean, well, at that age, uh, I, I I don't think. On a it, micro scale. but the- On a micro scale, but at the same time, like, Gaines wasn't afraid. His body just quit on him, you know, he doesn't have to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He was done, dude. My legs are 12 inches. Yeah, my legs are 12 <laughs> what inches. What do you expect? It takes 10 of his steps equal one of yours. So yeah. I think the military did that for my dad. Like, he saw that, okay, he made it to the military. He succeeded, did all that. I can yeah, I, check I told, out. I, yeah, I told Just like you. like yours, yeah. Yeah, my dad gave me, he was like, that was when we first, like, okay. Yeah. Everything he's done, he's, you know. I'm not worried about him as a man, but, like, just guidance as, like, yeah. you know, my as him being my father is different at that point. He's not worried about me being a boy and growing into a man. He's worried about me as a man making decisions now. Yeah. It's different. That, dude, I'm telling you that when, when my dad told me that, he said, I, well, how did he put it? Basically he said, I got all the way through my childhood and teens with my dad, but the time I needed him the most was from 24 to 35. Yeah. The times where I was a grown man with a family making decisions. Yeah. That's when I needed him most. Yeah. Because he's the other grown man in your life yeah. that has 100% your best interest at heart. Hmm. I mean, there's very few people in the world that have 100% your best interest at heart. Oh, I know. And you would think that, like, your dad, he, he's been the grown man before you. So you have another grown man who's traveled a path. And has 100% the best, and, and I say grown man in that not in a, uh, not in a sexist machismo way. I mean, and then like, I I can offer guidance to my daughter as best I can, but I've never walked in a female's shoes as a grown woman. Yeah. So I can't I can't relate to her on that way. I can talk to her about life. I can talk to her about how men think, mm-hmm. but 
but I'm never going to be able to tell her how a woman should act or how a woman should view things. Because everything I'm telling them is from the outside looking in. Yeah. And unfortunately, she only has her mother to tell her that. Nowadays, that could be a man, though. You know what? Maybe her mom's identifying as a man. Maybe <laughs> I'm gender fluid whenever she's up, and I'm like, you know what? Dude, I'm, yeah. I'm feeling very womanly. And I, I may lay it out for you. No, I'm just saying, like, I've never had to walk around in a bar and worried about getting raped. Yeah. That's not that's not a fear you or you or I have. You or, have it? I've been in some sketchy I've been in some sketchy bars. Don't get me don't get it twisted. I've definitely feared for my backside. The what old was the, you know, good to the last drop. No oh chicken goodness. uh Oh goodness. Yeah. That is scary. Let's not yeah. go there. No? Nope. Yeah. Not gonna go there. All right. Uh just saying uh <laughs> men have to watch out for certain things as well. Uh, yeah. We do. But not the same way a woman does. Right? Like we, we don't have that same kind of fear. Um, and so like for me to give her that kind of advice, but as a young, for my son, I can give him advice on how to treat a woman, on how to not be a sexual predator, how to not be a piece of shit. I can give him that advice. Yeah. Right. I can give him those tools. I can't test them on those. I can't like put him in a situation where a girl's passed out next to him. Like, Hey, don't touch your titty. Yeah. You know, like I can't put him in that situation legally. Never would. I'm just saying that like, you know, He'll be in compromised situations. I just want him to have the right tools, the ethics, the you know the responsibility and the ethics you teach them of what to do in certain situations. Like if you see somebody, like if your buddy is being kind of a shithead because he's kind of drunk and his, this girl he was out with is kind of passed out and he's kind of molesting a little bit even though he doesn't realize it. You're like, hey man, she's fucking, she's not even awake, dude. Chill. Like you want to be able, to, you want your kid to be able to say that because. We both have daughters. We for sure want somebody to be able to say that for our daughter. Yeah. If they're in that situation. Because they probably will be. They're going to grow up. They're going to be women. They're going to go to college. They're going to have a good time. Was that comedian Dan Cummins? He's like, you don't talk about sexism? He's like, he's talking about how guys talk about their sons in college. He's like, well, is he dating anybody? <laughs> no, he's out there playing the field, man. You know, you know what I was talking about. Lots of ladies, that whole thing. He's like, what if guys talked about their daughters like that? Boyfriend, no, you know, she's getting all the dick she can. You know, she gets it from her mom. She's out there. She's taking <laughs> care of business. You know, like that that's the inverse of that. Like uh -huh. no dad is saying that proudly. But that's the inverse, you know. So you want to yeah. be able to teach your son those same ethics and have your daughter understand like that's how women, you know, should be treated, etc. I think. Uh and back to the surviving the game, you know, I think Ice T taught everybody a valuable lesson. Like, don't think you can hunt homeless people or anybody <laughs> or really strong homeless people like guys yeah, do yeah yeah like i told you yeah. i watched that movie the edge last night oh yeah which we both agree classic fucking classic. great but if nobody has seen the edge watch it anthony hopkins alec baldwin and some other people uh black guy dies first shocker um pretty much i can't like i saw i, I saw that in my head i was like really Every fucking movie, <laughs> but he did. Hey, there's a really so for dads out there who are into Netflix and probably don't have cable or whatever, but they you stream movies, whatnot. Amazon, Netflix, really good movie out there. Ice Piercer, or I don't know. I haven't seen it. Yeah, I've it's seen it. I've seen it. Is it good? <sighs> I haven't watched it yet. It's got Ed Snow Harris. Snowpiercer. Snowpiercer. 
Amazing. Is it Ed Harrison? Amazing. Like Ed Harris. Ed, Ed Harris. Harris. That's my Ed dude, Harris. man. From yeah. the Abyss. Oh yeah. From the Abyss. The Abyss. The Rock. The Rock. Nicholas Cage. The Rock. Nick Nicholas Cage. Cage. Sean Connery. Sean Connery. Oh, Sean yeah, Connery. Get the fuck out of here. classics in there, dude. Ed Harris, Nick Cage, Sean Connery. Shut your fucking face Trio. if you don't love that movie. If you don't love that movie. I love it. Love it. Fucking love die. It. Fucking die if you that, don't love that movie. My go-to on Sunday afternoons is The Rock. I can watch that any day. I can, watch, on, I can watch it any time. It's always on TAT or some. You it's, know, it's like that movie and fucking Shawshank. You Shawshank Redemption. I can watch that any time. Roadhouse with Patrick Roadhouse Clayton. is on... Amazon Prime right now. It's on Netflix. It. It's on Netflix. Is it? Yeah. Uh, they copy. Yeah. They're like, oh, is it on fucking Roadhouse? I can watch any day of the week. This is, I just love thought it. you'd be bigger. You know what else I thought I could watch? I thought you'd over? be bigger. I know, right? <laughs> uh, you know what else I thought I could watch again? The Indiana Jones. But which one? To- Temple of Doom. Temple of Doom, not so much. But if you don't love the Last Crusade with Sean Connery, Last Crusade, I can't watch it. What? It's Look the at best. the acting. You're gonna ki- Ryan Shaw told no. me he watches it every day with his kids. It's horrible, dude. I fucking love the Last Crusade. What? Just watch it. Have you, I when's did. Last time you watched it? Like a week ago. What are you talking horrible. about? Horrible. It's on Netflix right now. I know. Horrible. <laughs> Trash. I couldn't believe it. I was like, Spielberg produced this. The Bro, acting it's in so it's good. horrible. It's so good. So that um, Temple of Doom. You don't like? Uh, I love Temple of Doom. I loved it. That was my uh, first Indiana Jones to watch ever, yeah, yeah. and I, there still holds a fond spot in my heart. Short yeah. round. Yeah. Short round. Yeah. yeah. A little, little Asian little, kid. Yeah. But Dr. Jones. Dr. Jones. So, so that, yeah, if uh, Snowpiercer's on Netflix, man, amazing. Is it good? What's oh, it about? Man. I don't even know. Amazing. What's it about? You just have to watch it, but it's about basically it's uh, the human race went almost extinct, and they got everybody on this train right before this just nuclear holocaust, um, eternal winter started, and it's just this train making this loop around the world that this guy built right before the end of civilization, and that's the guy, Mister Wilson or Mister Winfield, I think his name was, but basically they're going around this loop, and yeah. it's been going on for twenty years. Nice. And they've created this hierarchy within the train. So everybody that's high class is up towards the front, up towards the engine. Yeah. Right? They get all the fresh water, the stuff that they got this huge scoop on the front of the front train that scoops up snow. Yeah. And it processes it into like fresh water. And then, you know, whatever else it can scoop up. But, and then all the people in the tail are like the lower class. And they're basically back there eating each other and all that stuff in the beginning. And then they figure out a way to feed them. And it's basically they're eating the shit and the bugs and all that stuff left over from the scoop. And the other people like that are consuming the food and stuff that's already on the ecosystem of the train. So after 20 years, these people get just fed up with it. Well, I'm not going to spoil spoiler alert here. I'm not going to do it. But there's a lot of twists, a lot of turns. They figure out how to get out of the tail and make their way up the train and like revolt. Wait, oh, have you dude. ever seen the people under the stairs? Yes, yes, I have. It's a long time ago, dude. How good was that movie? I don't. I haven't heard of it since though. Dude, I talked about this with some people, random people at the bar the other night, and like somebody's talking about like classic like horror movies. How the horror movies now suck, but like horror movies where you root for the bad guys, like the creeps. Yeah, people under the stairs, man. That was it. And that was a good one. Like we're talking about, like great horror movies where you root for the bad guys. 
gremlins, people under the stairs, ghoulies. Uh, Pet cemetery. Pet cemetery. I was talking to a guy about fucking, Pet cemetery uh, the other day. Critters. Do you remember Critters? I remember Critters, yeah. Critters is on... Uh, Ragnophobia. Ragnophobia, where you thought it was like... Horror movies where like the bad guy is, is, re- is really cool. You know what I mean? Like where the bad guy, you're like, oh, that's really cool. Or like uh, like Nightmare on Elm Street. Like Freddy Cougar was kind of a cool bad guy. You're like, yeah, he did really. like funny shit. Like Fred, Freddy Krueger scared the living bejesus out of me. My parents, like Hellraiser. Like Hellraiser was cool. Yeah, they did me. Freddy versus Jason. Or like, uh, like my parents were really like big horror buffs. I tell you, my parents fucking watch creepy shit. And like I, my kids no are over there. No wonder you're so dark. What? No wonder you're so dark. Dude, my parents fuck it. Like, dude, they they keep on like people getting skinned alive. They pull out one titty on TV and they're like, "Cover your eyes." I'm seven. <laughs> one titty on TV. Cover your eyes. People getting their skin peeled off their face. No, no. not yeah. even. Hellraiser. Dude, they watch it now. And I'm like, Mom, turn the TV. She's like, What? I'm like, and then my dad like hears me say "fuck" and he's like, "Son." I'm like, are you serious? We fucking serious right now? Like, you don't give a fuck about people getting blasted to pieces, like chopped into little bits. That's all cool. But one little f bomb, one titty, lock it up, lock it up right now. I'm not gonna remember my or, or somebody titty. something gay. Dude, don't let something gay come <laughs> on the TV. But as my parents loved my gay friend in high school, you know. They were like, my mom was always under the impression she was confused. She's, like, she's just confused. I'm like, no, she only likes girls. Yeah. She's like, nah, she's she has confused. A clear direction there. Yeah. It, Still no, does. Hasn't varied. Been gay her whole life. She's got a better woman picker than I did. Oh, for sure. But I'm just saying, like, <laughs> my parents were just like, uh, you know, I think there's um, ignorance in the way of not like stupidity, but ignorance in the way of like blissful ignorance. Just like when they like people. I'm like, yeah, so like, so I, I tried to like coach them up on it. I'm like, so gay people aren't bad, right? It just makes you a little uncomfortable with their choices. But that's okay because you can still like those people. They're not bad people. You're just uncomfortable with their choices. Yeah. And that's fine. Because if you believe whatever you believe, that they're going to settle up at the end anyway. Well, that's so. a heart move. That, that's like, okay, yeah, that great person. My heart, my heart wants to tell me to do that, but my... My religion, my my morals, my southern uh, yeah, southern yeah, upbringing yeah, has yeah. told me different. My heart tells me different. Dude, the same the same bullshit. Like when uh you know our buddy who we played football with, Stephen, like stay with me, and like they didn't. My parents didn't think anything about it. They loved Stephen. He was fine. Yeah. And then like my aunt was like, "Oh, you love you love black guy stay with you." My parents were like, "What do you mean? And like, hide, it, it, hide it, your it, women, hide your yeah." Like, it didn't even register to my parents, and I think that goes into you know why my parents weren't an activist in any way, but they just didn't uh, the the racism like race wise didn't register them as much as you know the like the shittiness of somebody was more of a register. You know what I'm saying? And so it, it's just kind of weird with that aspect. Did you ever have to deal with that? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Because we played football. All of our friends were, we had, we had black friends, white friends we played football with. I probably dealt with more, a little more racism than than you. I don't, maybe not. I don't know. But um, my extended family was pretty out there when it came to that kind of stuff. And That's what I mean, but like not your immediate family. No, no. As a matter of fact, when I was in boot camp, um, 
No, I probably won't tell that story. But yeah. my grandmother came out to see us when I was when I graduated boot camp. My grandmother, yeah. my granddad, and my my parents, my granddad, my my parents, my grandparents came out to see me. And I was once at we all went to see a movie after you know get liberty for like two hours after we graduated, right? Right. So we would go out to eat, see a movie, um, then come back. We all kind of like adopted certain people in the unit that didn't have parents that came yeah, song, yeah, right? yeah. Everybody does that, yeah. So I I brought out the guy and he's from Seattle and. Um, come to find out, he was engaged to a girl who was a beautiful black girl. Beautiful. I was like, Dad, gum, you know, like, how did, how did you do that? This guy's got like bottle cap glasses, the, the BCGs, you know. Oh, yeah. And we get out to dinner and we go see the movie I Robot. Nice. Came out that year. And uh, we get back in the car and ride Shout down out the to road. Smith. Yeah, riding down the road. And uh, my grandmother said, I asked her, I said, How'd you like the movie, Memo? She said, uh, Oh, I love that movie. That was a good movie. She said, I tell you what, that Denzel Washington and that Will Smith, they are both good looking you know what's. Oh no. Yeah. I didn't think nothing of it because I'd heard it my whole life. And I looked over at him and he looked like he had swallowed his tongue. He was <laughs> he couldn't he hadn't I don't know that he had ever heard that word. Yeah, it so when you don't hear it. Yeah, in a very long time, and you hear somebody say it in in a, in that way, it, it definitely sends you for a loop. You go, wait, what? She didn't miss a beat. No, but you know what? That's it's not. Excuse- She's seventy eight years old. It's one hundred percent not excusable, right? That was two thousand. Does it make it right? No, not at all. Like doesn't make it right, but at the same time, she's always. But I had to step back and thinking, like, man, I looked at him and I saw his reaction. I'm thinking to myself, I didn't even have a reaction. Like that just. Yeah. What? Like that? That took me by. It, it's um, it's weird when like you've you just know certain people act a certain way. You just kind of brush it, it off, accept it. Yeah. Come. Yeah. Even though you yourself are in the same boat, you're just kind of like oh, I know that kind of person just kind of rolls whatever kind of way, you know. But at the same time, man, like I I could say the same kind of people like with my aunt or like not my aunt, but like just like extended family, just like with that same time. Not coming at them super sideways and letting them just kind of see the positive aspects yeah. of, of things is a definite. I think I think is more beneficial and kind of acclimating them to like understand like, hey, it's not it's not well, a thing. That's and I've I've told Courtney this a thousand times. Was like, man, and she's actually better about it than I am. But she said that uh, like people go to church with and kids that she they see on a weekly basis as they go to like the children's museum or the park or the splash pad and stuff. She's like, I don't even want to like. I avoid even calling them like white or black kids. Like we just, yeah, we don't yeah. even say it. We're like, a hey, for, we're for going to play with so so. My my, da- my daughter's best friend, who was just visiting, right, is yeah. biracial, and that was her best friend forever. And she just, she it just never registered her that she was a different quote unquote race. You know, like I, I, I hate even like it just, I, you know, when she was like, was there a brown people? And she like she didn't say like she doesn't know like. The yes. classification. She's like, so they're like brown people, and then they're like white people, huh? Like she asked me, she's like three or four, and I was like, well, baby, kind of, but I mean, everybody looks different. I was like, your mom doesn't look like me. Like I don't look like so and so. Like everybody looks different. As I, I, I tried to go that way with her, you know. Obviously, 
society is going to teach them those things. Oh, she's smart enough to figure it out. Well, I mean, right. school, you have to, when you, once yeah. you start checking boxes, white, black, Native American, Asian, yeah. like once you start checking the boxes and realize you fit in a box, I think that you can't escape it at that point, right? So, but when she was little, she didn't like, you know, it wasn't a thing. It was just so. Why do you think we have those boxes, by the way? <sighs> what, is it for benefits or for. No, it's not, it's not a benefit. Society to give. It's just easier for people to classify their tribes. And I think. Identify, yeah. But I think there's there's so much gray area. Uh, just because you have so many biracial couples, like I've definitely dated outside my race, you know. And it's it's not something like I even take note of. It's just you know, girl's good looking, she's cool, date her, you know. Yeah. Um. That's one thing I will discriminate on. Discriminate on is if she's got to be good looking. Yeah, no, like, <laughs> well, good looking and not a piece of shit. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. Yeah, I'm just saying, like, and I, I think most people now, our our age group is are much more in line with that. Mm-hmm. I think it's a changing of the guard we're going through. Mm-hmm. But I think there's a there's definitely a lot of ignorance floating around for sure. But I think it's for sure changing of the guard because my, my buddy, uh, my buddy lives in Lexington, right? Like he's a lighter skinned, super handsome black dude. You know, looks kind of like Mario Van Peebles, and his girlfriend is as white as driven snow. Like she is white, brother. She is white, white. And he's like, and up there in Lexington, and he gets weird looks. And I was like, what, really? And like he catches shit up there. And I was like, man, ugh. like it's just kind of like, yeah, it's gross. 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 It's just gross. I'm like, oh, you guys are mad because he's super nice to his girlfriend, or like, like what's? He's not like kicking her ass, or like, I'm like, what is the, uh, what's, the, what's the problem here? Like, I don't know. It's just weird, but at the same time, like, as somebody who has a daughter and have a son, I don't give a shit who they're with, as long as they treat them well, treat each other well, yeah. and they love each other, like, happy, happy for you. You know what I'm saying? I don't. I don't know, man. It's it's a uh, we we both have bo- been born and raised in the South, and it's obviously something that is not. It's a lot. It's way better than when we were younger. But the fact that it's still not like it's still registering for people as like a an issue, like that. That so I just read in the news that a biracial couple in Alabama, in Birmingham, here, were attacked. There's a biracial couple that are realtors have a beautiful happy family they have like six kids or something and somebody dropped the n-word in in lover or some, something really nasty on one of their uh realty signs I was like, what the what the fuck are you doing yeah you don't have bigger fish to fry <laughs> like that's your problem that that's co- the thing like who can who has time to focus on what that? the fuck how much time did you spend on that you piece of shit did you just have a can of spray paint and that much hate that day? You're just like cruising by? Or did you actually go home and be like, fuck those people. They look so happy raising like six kids in a happy, loving home. Booming real estate market. I didn't get the interest rate I wanted. <laughs> but Yeah, exactly. Like the fucking dude who did that <laughs> works at the fucking Piggly yeah. Wiggly bagging groceries and hate and li- work, lives in his fucking mom's back room. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, not Publix. No, that motherfucker does not work at Publix for sure. The nicest Publix people is the you know work best at Publix. people ever. Yes, they do. 
Uh, I'm just saying, man, like that, like it takes effort to be a piece of shit like that. Oh, man, doesn't it? And to, to hate Lord. on people who are like contributing to society, raising a beautiful, happy family. And I was like, what in the fuck? Dude, I don't even have time to be a, just a piece of crap in traffic anymore. No. My mind is like a thousand ever. I got a family, two kids, a third one on the way, a pregnant wife, a job, jobs everywhere. Employees, like man, how does how do people who have time to who have time to be a piece of shit? Yeah, a thought out piece of shit. Better yet, like yeah. if you have time a, to it, like plan on being a piece of shit, stop. <laughs> do something else. <laughs> like the, the amount of time you must have to plan, like an organized, like like if you've got time to protest. Oh God. If you got time to dress up like a Nazi and walk around and fucking hate on biracial couples or hate on gay people, or if you have time to fucking hate on capitalists and fucking the man and Donald Trump, you fucking go. Like, there are so many more, like, things you could be doing. You could be picking up garbage on a beach. You could be fucking helping some disabled person. Like, if, if you hate people of color and you're like a racist, well, I bet there are some old white people in an old folks' home or in a veteran's home that could use your help. Oh, yeah, no But doubt. you're not helping them. No doubt. You're just being a piece of shit. Or if you when hate... Veterans you hate, Day, by the way? November 11th, my friend. Good. But I'm saying, like, if, like, anytime you have time to protest or hate anybody, right, on any side of the spectrum, you hate Trump, you hate fucking... You hate everybody. Whoever, you, whoever you're hating yeah. and you're taking time to hate... Well, the cause you're hating on, the inverse is the is what you're supposed to be lifting up, right? So if you hate something, you're supposed to be you hate something because it's attacking something you yeah, love. Something you own or you you love and right. care for. Okay, so how much effort are you putting into the things that you allegedly love and care for? Fucking none. The motherfuckers that are raising hell and protesting and hating on shit. How much community work are they doing in the community they're trying to protect by the by hating on the shit they don't hate? Because it's so fucking easy to hate. Oh, yeah. yeah it's way easier to fucking... resistance, for sure. It is. It's like, fuck you, this is bullshit. Okay, cool. Well, what are you protecting? These people here, da, 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 da. Cool. You're trying to save illegal immigrants? Cool. How many people have you taken into your own home to help them uh, work through their uh, citizenship process? None, right? None. Go fuck yourself. Yeah, I guarantee you won't find one person. Open borders? Well, guess what? Your locked door on your home is a fucking border. Open that bitch. How many people are you taking in your house? None. Well, it's different. How is it fucking different? You pay for your house, we pay for this country with taxes. It's not fucking different. And I'm not saying, like, dude, I think they should streamline the whole thing. I think you should give all those motherfuckers social securities, social security numbers, get them in here, get them working. I don't care. Yeah. Streamline the process. I'm not talking about stopping people at the border. It's doable. Yeah, I'm not talking about that. I'm just talking there's about app, like... There's an app for that. I'm talking about the hate side of it. The hate where you just want to bitch about something and not offer a real solution. Yeah. And you're telling people they're not offering a solution when you yourself have the potential to offer a minute solution and you're not doing it. You're bitching about a big giant problem to which it takes a bunch of individuals fixing... And you yourself won't fix it. That's what I'm talking about. So conversation for the other day. Yeah. Uh, well, you want to wrap up with, man? We're, we're rolling on. Rolling Let's talk about, so speaking of Veterans Day, are we, you want to try to line something up for Veterans Day while we're like like a what? special podcast, a guest? 
Any uh, ideas? No, throw, throw no, no, no. We've got some. We got some people we've lined up. I've got a. I got a ranger buddy in town. You know, just made met, met a new ranger buddy in town. So there's a very few and far between of rangers floating around. So he wants to come on at some point, and we've got a lot of buddies uh, who are trying to get on here, but we're our only two friends in Birmingham, so it's a little so more difficult to Blake, get people in. Blake has a fight this uh, in two coming weeks. up. Yeah, he's gonna. I definitely want to get him on before the fight because he's a father, right? So since he's been a dad, he has not fought. So we have a good friend of mine, Blake Singley. Uh, he was uh, – yeah, I think he has pro card in boxing. I think he was still semi-pro in MMA. I'm not sure. He's very good. He beat a lot of good people. He's very, very good. Like so Deontay Wilder, current heavyweight champion, Blake was his sparring partner. Yeah. Put it that way. Guy was fucking – Blake's fucking legit, right? Um, So the – the bronze bomber, Blake, was his fucking sparring partner. He just fought fucking Tyson Fury. Um, Blake said, Well, obviously. Wilder, right? Yeah, Wilder beat the fuck yeah. out of him, according to Blake. Blake. What was the other UFC fight that happened this weekend, or this past two weeks? Big one. Well, you had... Uh, well, the biggest thing everybody was talking about was when that guy dropped that flying knee on uh, Ben Askren, when Jorge Masvidal, hmm. which... I don't really have a problem with Ben Askren, but I really like Jorge Masvidal. Like I like his style. He doesn't talk. He's not a big shit talker in the way that like, like he doesn't talk shit like a millennial. He talks shit like an adult. Like if he talks shit to you, he's gonna fight you. Like he used to do those backyard fights with Kimbo Slice yeah. and beat the fuck out of big ass dudes that were a lot bigger than him when he was super young. Like he's our age. And he's been fighting professionally MMA for like 18 years or something. Like he's been fighting since he was 18 years old. Kimbo Slice. And, uh, you know, and he, this guy, Ben Askren, was an undefeated, uh, you know, Olympic wrestler and was talking all this shit. Hey, he was going to take him down and do all this. And Masvidal fucking KO'd him in five <laughs> seconds. And he practiced it, you know. It was. Uh, there's an experience level and then there's tactics and then there's like when you know you have somebody's number, man. And like some people just know they have another guy's number. And it's just like even though that one guy can beat the fuck out of everybody else, if that other dude has his number, it's like uh, Daniel Cormier and John Jones. Daniel Cormier beats everybody's ass whose name isn't John Jones. John just has his number, man. It just it just is what it is, yeah. and they fucking hate each other. And they fought twice, and John's beat his ass twice, and it sucks for Daniel because he he's a fucking Olympian, he's a good dude, family man, always done the right thing. It's you remember like I equate John Jones and Daniel Cormier to uh, the X Men, right? Cyclops and Wolverine. Mm -hmm. Cyclops was a goody two shoes, was the leader of the X Men that nobody liked. Because he was a goody two-shoes. He wasn't a dick, didn't do anything wrong, and he always did the right thing. And that him and Wolverine always fought over the same girl, right? But everybody liked Wolverine better because he was the bad boy. Didn't play by the rules. Always got yeah, the a girl. substance to him. Yeah. And like just that, what, just that little bit of dark side that he showed made you like him more because it made you feel more comfortable in your own skin about having that dark side in you, I think. Because when somebody's so clean and so good, you can't like them. Because it makes you feel less of a person. You're like, fuck, I'm not that good of a human being. But when you see the bad guy who does good every now and then and can beat the good guy's ass when he wants to, you're like, 
That's my dude. Like, you don't want the clean-cut fucking square. It's the guy who can come in and fucking wreck shop, still beat the square when he needs to, but doesn't play by the rules all the time. Like, that guy, everybody loves the bad guy. Like that's why Wolverine was always more captivating than any of their X-Men. He was the bad boy. 100%. James Bond. Doesn't listen to MI6, right? Yeah. Does his own thing. The Rock. What, what are we coming? Of, hey. Speaking of James Bond. What do you got? Layer Cake. Pull it, pull really it, Mike T. Movie. Pull it, Mike T, dog. Layer Cake. That was a really good movie. Did you watch it? Yeah, I watched it again. You finished watching it? Yeah. It was good, right? How good yeah. was that movie? I've, I watched it about halfway through. And if then, you like Daniel Craig's oh, yeah. edition of James Bond, Layer Cake, you will fucking love. Because it actually, it's the movie that got him that role. Yeah. And you see why in that movie. Like, he wasn't being considered for James Bond before that movie. And they did that movie. Got it. Got it. Because it, it was perfect, man. It was perfect. It was a very good role for him. I, I think I, I got really interested. In, I went down a rabbit hole on that in, uh, in Google, I think. But uh, from a dad note, again, shout out to uh, the uh, combat dad bag. I got to see this thing. Let me see. Well, yeah, I'll show it to you. So these dudes hit me up and we were talking about it. Like the same thing I've bitched about, about people not. Uh, people not. That, that get, wasn't it. No, that definitely wasn't it. <laughs> <laughs> about people not. Uh, what was that, by the way? Don't worry about that. <laughs> uh, about people not giving uh, dads love, you know, in. There, there aren't like diaper bags and things like that made for dads. Everything is still very feminine. And not that that's wrong, but like things it, aren't it curtailed to make it uh, more more dad friendly who take care of small children. So tactical dad bag. Tactical dad bag, right? They got their own page, all that. They're good. Dude, that's awesome. I'd buy it. Yeah, that's, I mean, they, they make a bag just for... Uh, so here's the deal with me. And I don't know if it's the same way for you, but... We bought. We went through a big deal of buying a diaper bag when Sage was first born, and what happened to that bag as soon as we got out of diapers and all that good stuff? Let me just throw their tagline out there: Our products strive to provide functional masculine products to proud fathers. Hey, what is wrong with that? I just would like something I could buy, use it for to haul a kid around for twenty four hours a day. And then after the kids growing up, you don't need it, need that specific function anymore. Use that bag for something else. Yeah. And I'm out. I'm outdoors. I'm hunting. I'm doing all that. So I'd like something similar to that. So that's a functional. Like, yeah. That's a functional, functional bag. bag dude. It's designed. He's got little bottle holders. Size, all yeah, that yeah, good stuff. All the stuff. So I mean, things like that, man. That is a you know, like we talked about before. That saves me a lot of stress. You go. You go into the grocery <laughs> store. Moms choose this. This is what moms choose. Like. Dad shop too. Go fuck yourself. Yeah. Like, it's 2019. Jesus Christ. Yeah. Oh, do you see what I just posted? No. Huggies for the first time since Huggies have been around. Huggies diapers had a dad on the box. Two dads or just one dad? It was one dad. Okay. Or a dad. It'd be cool with two dads. I don't give a shit. Just the fact that it has a dude on there and not a fucking female. No offense to females. But geez, if you act like dads have never changed a diaper, you're fucking crazy. And if dads aren't changing diapers, quit being a piece of shit and change a fucking diaper. <laughs> I don't know that Ricky ever changed a diaper. Hey, man, that's my dad didn't. I know. Isn't that weird? I think it's I, I think it's weird. I think it's weird too. 
Like, I don't know how, like, I don't know what I would say to get out of that. Like, like I didn't help make that baby. Yeah. Like, there's, I don't know what you could say. I honestly I don't know what you could I say. I think he never changed. I was like, I, I don't know. What my brother, he, I don't think he's ever changed a diaper. I don't know what you could say as a man to get out of changing a diaper. I'm going to find out if my brother ever changed a diaper. Like, what would you say? Like, you don't have a dick. Change that diaper. I, Basically. <laughs> Basically. I don't know how else you could say that. Huggies put the yeah. Huggies puts dads on the diaper box in 2019 for the first time in history. Go fuck yourself. I'm Are you not, serious? I'm not on that diaper box. I'm not changing that diaper. That's a woman's job. Hey, look, they made it extra special. It says special delivery. Jesus. It, it's a th- it's a whole thing, man. It's a whole thing. And it, like, I'm not gonna act like it's some fucking weird struggle for us, but like, seriously. If you pretend like dads aren't fucking contributing, and dads that aren't contributing, you're a piece of shit. It's 50-50, motherfucker. Get over it. But for the house. rest of us that are contributing, yeah, and we get shit on, and we get... I'm not going to lie. I do like what people... Like, I'm extra special when I do awesome dad stuff. That is nice. Yeah. But really, when I in my head, I'm like, why are they acting weird that I'm doing something that I feel like would be abnormal if i didn't do like taking my kids around doing whatever like people are like, oh you're babysitting my kids mm. if i got paid for this that'd be great but I actually pay to have them with me so <laughs> just to be clear uh, anyways e. well think yeah e. you gonna wrap it up on that yeah well veterans day well we can't we well, have tar- get- a target out there dude all right so we're gonna line up some of our veteran friends. You, I think, maybe an amalgamation, like a a bunch of, bunch of small interviews, with like the same series of questions. I don't know. We'll have to spitball some ideas. But if anybody got ideas, leave it in the comments. Yeah, for sure. Send us send us a message. Uh, thanks for listening. We've been getting a lot of positive feedback. Really appreciate that. Yeah, I do want to say thanks for listening, man. That's uh, some comments, some traction on this. It's been. Yeah. So we've got phone calls, texts, yeah. comments, yeah. emails. Really appreciate it. Uh, stroke your ego a little bit. Also, less stroking of the ego, the negative comments. We also appreciate that. Like this is our podcast is just us getting shit out there. And like I've had uh, I recently had some lady friends reach out and say I, we think we got some things wrong about females. You know what? We've yet to have a female guest. Can't wait to have one because. Like you can't be so attached to your ideas where you you can't let them go. All right, or you can't talk about them. Yeah, like I enjoy, I enjoy the dialogue, so uh, we look forward to having some female guests in the future to discuss some of these things. And uh, again, thank you for listening.